Alright ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast, welcome back to the podcast. I am the Bizzle here with Ethan, aka L underscore Fedorable, Awkward Controllers episode 14, and should be Bizzlecast 232 as well. Here to talk some video games, but also some computer stuff. This will probably be one of our nerdier tech talks, but Ethan and I talk this stuff all the time off mic, and so we <laughs> tried to get our fights out ahead of time, so hopefully this will be a d- pure, but delicious, enjoyable delivery of information the whole time, right, Eth? Max awful. <laughs> Max sucks. <laughs> uh, that's great. How are you doing, buddy? How I'm, I know you're in test period right now. How, are you, you doing okay? It sucks. It's awful. That's Help awful. me, please. I know. I know. Well, you, you know, I, I think you, you have the kind of mind to go into it pr- pretty relaxed compared to some people i just hope you studied <laughs> i mean that mind no longer exists after doing math for 36 hours straight it's locked brutal. In room. it's brutal it's a brutal and what's funny is man so if you want to get into the computer sciences 95 percent of computer geniuses aren't necessarily the best math people you know i mean it really just depends on what you're doing um but even if you're crunching code, it, that's a different scale than straight up math, right? I mean, well, it, it, it all it all just depends on what you're doing, really. Like mm-hmm. some computer languages, yeah. you need to know calculus, and right. most don't. Right. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying this isn't important, and, you, and people shouldn't be taking classes like this in these situations. I'm just pointing out that you know there are some necessary evils with schooling. No matter which way you go, there's there's no way around it. Yeah, you're right. I will learn. All of this math, and then never use ninety percent of it. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, so now that we just d- threw shade on math, uh, why don't we talk okay. some really nerdy, mathy-sounding things about computers? Because last time we had uh, what I would consider cautiously optimistic and appropriately praiseworthy of the PlayStation Five, even while we questioned a lot of the individual things, we're just not sure what 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 can be um, delivered. I suppose, right? Yeah it it's it's all still very up in the air, right? And the reason is because we always will look at the newest computer trends and the way you can upgrade your computer every two or three years to a much, much, much more revolutionary and radical level. And Ethan, I have to say, you know, as I talk about all the time in the 90s, you either had a computer and could play high-end games like Doom, Quake, StarCraft, uh, uh, you know, and Wing Commander and TIE Fighter and X-Wing and so forth that you could definitely not play on console. Um, I don't know if the gap is is less great at this point in, in terms of high end PCs and you know the newest versions of some of the consoles, but you look at just the the, the numbers and the types of chips, and it, it, one, I guess my question is, you know, or my thought would be, one must wonder at what point consoles just can't keep up to cheaper and cheaper powerful computer technology, right? Yeah. Uh... So I mean, in recent years, it's gotten it has gotten more expensive on the mid to high end mm-hmm. for PC gaming, but it has actually gotten cheaper on the low end uh, by a little bit. Uh, huh. So I mean, it's 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 never been a better time to build an entry PC, mm-hmm. a start a, a, a first time build PC mm-hmm. uh, for computer gaming, but at the same time. 
uh, consoles have only just uh, been getting stronger. And that that was one of the things we talked about last time was uh, with with the console, in theory, if it's able to put out 1080p60, right, we're finally hit that mark. Like, there's more and more, like, there's less and less reason for a PC person to turn their nose away from a console because it has in, such inferior graphics. Word. Um, okay, so speaking of which, some, you know, techie announcements from GPUs to CPUs, I think are worth mentioning. Uh, this is all from The Verge. And not all of these are immediate rollouts, but, you know, Intel is announcing pretty publicly that their i5, i7, and i9 chips will now, in the ninth generation, have a turbo speed of 5 gigahertz. As you and I talked about ahead of time, Mac is immediately also implementing, or, or, or I guess promoting. I mean, I think part of this is for Macs. It's not a coincidence. They just dropped a new iMac with this exact those exact specs, right? Um, yeah, yeah. For example, um, still 20% of the market. 5 gigahertz, man, it, it's, it seems huge. Um, I don't know when 4 gigahertz was passed. I don't know what to think about the i5 versus the i7 versus the i9 versus it's 3.2 gigahertz but it's turbo boost to 5 gigahertz um is this the whole 4g lte thing where lte is kind of a scam and it's just another the 4g network basically or is this in your view whether it's coming out in a couple months or next year an actual jump in technology here for cpus so yes and no it's definitely an improvement but it is not the improvement that uh, many people would have liked to see. Um, for a quick just overview of what is the current uh, main it. discussion in Do the it. processor world. Do it. Do it. Um, you have uh, you have Intel Team Blue as mm. the clear winners on right. crunching the numbers, better processors, mm-hmm. more expensive. Right. And you have Team Green, AMD, uh, or sorry, Team Red, which is AMD, and they are cheaper, but still uh, very usable units. And in many recent years, AMD has been slowly catching up to Intel, and Intel has been running into some issues on its production side. Um, for a quick idea of what this just just what the issue is. Which is sorry, um, really quick, which is exactly why Apple said they're leaving. It's not because they don't like Intel's product, but the production issues. Yeah. So Intel has been in a shortage of its better chipsets, but they're also running an issue into making the next generation of chips. Um, so we are currently on... Uh, Intel is having issue creating their seven nanometer process chips. And so for just a very simple explanation of what that means, it's it's basically the their ability to cram more power and more friendly energy consumption into the processor. And so the, the, the smaller the nanometer process, the better your chip will be, generally speaking. It's or how more effective you can construct it. 
Um, In fact, they're they're still operating at twice that with the fourteen nanometer, which so is, sounds most, not so great. So most of these chips, mm-hmm. most of these chips that are coming out are running on a fourteen nanometer process. Okay, um, and so gen- so generally, if you can get a ten nanometer, that's where you want to be hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, for as as especially for um, laptops. So when yes, these these chips are hitting five gigahertz. Mm. But they are 14 nanometer, meaning they're going to be getting, they're going to be charging so much more energy consumption per mm-hmm. watt mm-hmm. for this chip that it's going to be less and less power efficient for the laptop to actually use. And so, what this will end up doing is either A, you're going to need a really beastly computer to take advantage of this chip because you're going to need that much more uh, battery to mm-hmm. soak up to power the chip or you're going to need to reduce the power of the overall chip so mm-hmm. that you can get uh you can still get decent battery life out of your unit mm-hmm. so this is this mm-hmm. is certainly yes it's a better chip but mm-hmm. for what unit and why mm-hmm. it it definitely is not um i would definitely say it's not like these chips are good for pcs yep desktops but they're not necessarily very good for laptops um yep and and on on the amd side they're having no issue they're 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 they've it looks like they've figured out their seven seven nanometer process i have to look more into this this is not exactly my best area of expertise as far as um nerd uh gadgetry is concerned Mm -hmm. uh at least with processors and this whole nanometer process stuff um but that's kind of just the gist about what's going on and so intel really needs to get its ass into gear otherwise amd is gonna really like take the market as far as this stuff is concerned Hmm. um okay um so in your opinion you know so like with the pc laptops how much do you have to pay for for a, like an entry level but decent gaming laptop that can basically do what mine does in terms of playing Civ Six, Starcraft Two, Stellaris? You know, run all web and other apps seamlessly and fast. Um, you know, not play Destiny at four K sixty frames necessarily, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like a solid gaming laptop. Um, what what what. what you know, for someone out there who might be listening and vacillating, uh, which in a very believable way between should I get a cheap console or pay a little bit more for a computer? What would you recommend someone who, who does need a laptop, uh, but doesn't want to pay too much? Right. So the, one of the, uh, one of the awesome things when you first open up your catalog to, instead of here's just my console, this is what I get out of it, right? I'm not concerned about the graphics necessarily. You suddenly go from this is what I get to here's what I could have if I do this. It literally turns from mm. it, 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 it becomes what is the product you're selling into how do we build a bear your gaming system or your superpower workstation, right? Um, and so with that, you're able to say, what do I need it to do? What do I want it to do? And what do I hope to do in the future with it? Rather than, 
here's my console. This is the controller that comes with it. Here are the exclusives that I can buy, and he, and here are the exclusives that might come out for the system. That that that's what you get. Um, and so you get to ask yourself uh, a whole different range of questions. Um, like I was saying earlier, PC gaming has actually gone down on the entry level. Um, the entry level PC in the last few years, uh, and has gone up in more of the mid to high tier graphics. Uh, in the last few years, but uh, the nice thing about that is, with the entry-level PCs, you can get a PC that will play most standard games, and you'll be able to have an enjoyable experience on a somewhat, probably just underperforming um, the PS5 and the Xbox, the next Xbox coming out. Uh, you will be probably be underperforming those two units if you bought it right now for about $600 to $800. The advantage of that comes with, you know, mm-hmm. being able to play games at a much higher level than you would currently to the current competition. So if we were to compare it to the PS4 Pro, for example, for six dollars to $800, you would have such a you would probably have double to triple the graphical capability that that unit would have. Hmm. Whereas on the upper echelon, you can, and and like I said, this this goes for all of these units, but lesser so for the entry units, but on the upper echelon, you could start to choose what you really want out of certain Mm -hmm. experiences. Mm -hmm. So if you are always clamoring to play the next, the 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 this year's lineup, so 2019's lineup of graphically and challenging games, right? There are options out there for you to mix and match parts so that you can get the experience that is tailored for you and get and play uh, all these games with retracing in them. Uh, let's see, was it Shadow the Tomb Raider? Shadow the Tomb Raider come out this year? Last year. Or was it last year? Mm-hmm. So, even so, Shadow of the Tomb Raider is one of the more graphically challenging games on PC mm-hmm. because of the uh, ray tracing technology that's built into it. And so, with that, you can push a high-end graphics card right. and a lower-end processor. Right. That way, the graphical fidelity is still at a point where you can play your game at 4K60 and have a beautiful experience, but not necessarily one that is frame rate driven like you would want in an FPS where you want more frames. So you're going to want a more powerful processor. And so because of that, you're going to need to toe down your graphics card. And so, and so with all, within all that is just a short preview of it really is like a build up error in the sense that you will, you will pick out each part and you will put it together. And even then, if that is too daunting for you, there, uh, Paying someone to build your PC has also never been cheaper before. It is very cheap to have to go to Cyberpower, Omen, uh, Alienware, it, whatever. All of these, all Razor. of these um, PC manufacturers, specifically gaming PC manufacturers, and have them build your unit for you. And it costs yep. what a hundred dollars for them to build it for you. And the price of shipping for them to ship it to you. And many times these guys will ship it to you for free based on mm-hmm. the deal you get. 
and they always have deals so you should save money in different places and blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. it's always gonna be the cheapest to build it mm-hmm. yourself but Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's been, it's much more reasonable than it was yeah. in previous years. So, so you are a fan of uh, Razer, um, right? Their peripherals, yes. Well, their new computers look unbelievably sick, and they uh, they said they add four K and two forty hertz to its Blade fifteen laptops. Yeah, you're not you're not a fan. I'm not a fan of the price. Uh huh. Razer is one of those. Hey, uh, you know why you're not a fan of the price? Pay us because money for our it's name. almost exactly Mac specs, exactly with almost the exact same price. Except it's four hundred dollars more expensive than the Mac. Um, well, let me see here. So I'm looking at the Razer 15, eighth gen, i7 six core, things? Nvidia six gigabytes the radeon pro only has four on the macbook pro uh they both have half a terabyte ssd 16 gigs of ram they both have that um the uh the mac chip is a little bit faster the razor screen is actually bigger um and it's on sale it's about 200 dollars cheaper the razor or the mac the Mac is $200 more yep. for basically the same thing, a little bit better screen, a couple other things, but it's basically the same thing. That's expensive for a PC. What are, what I would the, not hesitate to buy is. this. Sorry, I would not hesitate to pay, if I had the money, to get a bigger, much more powerful MacBook Pro 15-inch with all this stuff. I would not hesitate to pay $2,500, but for a gaming-specific laptop PC, that seems expensive for me. And so, and and one of the things you have to recognize is now PC laptop gaming is still in a rough spot because it it is more accessible than it's ever been. Yeah, but it is still in an expensive state because mm-hmm. these companies are going to mark up for the cost that it that it uh, that it costs for them to put all this into a tiny form factor. Um, yes. It, it, yes. It, it is expensive and it is much harder to build a, laptop, a gaming laptop. And there's the thing, Heath. I would happily go back to a four and a half pound thicker laptop if it was more powerful and cost less money. Like, that's not that heavy. Like, what they do is, you know, Apple does this a ton, of course, unnecessarily, but a lot of companies do, to get it razor thin and, you know, 2.1 pounds as opposed to 2.9. It's ridiculous, you know? People carry 40 pounds in their backpack. And so I would love to go back to those beefier gaming laptops. But I do want to point out, Ethan, when my when my rig, my Mac rig is working, I've got an external monitor, an external keyboard, an external mouse. I run it off an external SSD drive. All of my cords are through external hubs, so the heating is away from the computer. I got fans on the laptop, so it's just functioning as a giant CPU and GPU, basically. You know. Um, but again, as someone who doesn't travel that much with my laptop, I would, again, prefer it to be thicker and have more going on for the same price. But, I, yeah, you know, that's it's like it's like sports cars these days. They're too sleek and small. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. 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 And so, 
Um, so it, to, to wrap back to the Intel discussion, so it's nice that they it's a nice milestone for them to hit five gigahertz because I remember when I had a hundred and thirty three megahertz Pentium processor, <laughs> and that was like mm-hmm. you know the top thing out there. So it's uh you mm-hmm. know, but I don't totally understand the speed boost overclocking thing. Yeah, I mean so. Quickly to go over me me and Jimmy and Jesse were talking about off mic. Um, One of the things that advertisers will everybody's criminal to this in the in the uh, hardware world. They will always show you what your unit is capable of doing rather than what it will. they, They will always display both what your unit is capable of doing and what it is overclocked capable of doing. Now Overclocked simply means that your unit is being fed more electricity, so it's running faster. Therefore, it will produce more power for your rig. Uh, this is true for laptops, phones, PC, it, whatever. It's, it's, it, if your thing's got a processor in it, it can be overclocked. If your thing's got a fan in it, it can be overclocked. Etc. 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 And so the way that um, they, the, the way that they sell parts is they say, "How can we how, how can we put this number out there to show to consumers that the part can do this?" Now, one of the technologies in recent history mm-hmm. uh, that was put out there. Uh, is something called uh, is the idea of turbo boosting. Um, now, Intel on Intel side, it's called turbo boost. I forget what it's called on AMD. I believe AMD has something for it. Um, but they're basically they do the same thing. And if you have it enabled, and most computers have it enabled, I know Macs do. My PC does. Most PCs do. It's basically it, it's generally a very good, well accepted. Most PCs use it technology. Um, and what it does is, um, when you open a task on your computer, opening Chrome, starting a game, uh, opening up your port stash, um, your computer will go into overdrive. It will overclock the processor for just a few seconds to give that to give the computer a bit of oomph, so it opens up your Chrome tab faster. It opens up your game faster. That way, the files will load and you'll have a much more seamless and quick experience. And it will immediately declock back to what it was normally at to prevent it from overheating. Um, mm. So with And so this technology is different than normal overclocking. Mm-hmm. When you overclock, mm-hmm. and generally this is very inaccessible to Mac users because the the general way you overclock something is you enter the BIOS and then you fiddle around with the electricity and the clock and speeds and da 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 da. Short story short, you you change some settings, you fill some dials, and your, your part runs faster. It accepts more electricity, it runs faster. Um, the problem with this is most of these parts are never intended or I should say uh, 
meant to be sustained at the clock speeds that they are set at. The speeds that they're set at. So when I overclock my processor, I run the risk, no matter what amount, I run the risk of breaking the device faster than what it would normally be attended. Run the risk of its lifespan being shortened dramatically. Right, right. Um, which is why Turbos is so good because it does it in such a efficient way so that it doesn't threaten the lifespan of the device. So when you, that, that's just, that's just one of the things that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. off mic and I wanted to bring in was yes. you gotta be aware of what the marketing is telling you and what it's actually doing. And so in these situations, that's what it's doing. It, they're selling you a unit. And so in this situation, when it goes up to five gigahertz, yes, it does go up to five gigahertz right. in short speeds and in very specific instances to the point where it is doing that just not all the time and not really it's 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 a little bit of smoke and mirror it's a little bit of truth it's not quite the same experience as giving you five gigahertz and in the processor world moore's law is very much slowing down it's very much slowing down yeah oh for sure which is a shame because Mm -hmm. The, the processor is effectively the brain of your unit. Yep. The, the, and it is effectively the... Actually, I should, I, should, I should really say it's more like the white blood cells of your unit, right? Because... No, not white blood cells. Uh, stem cells. I was thinking of the South Park episode. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of the word. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how Cartman rebuilds, makes another... Or a pizza out of it or something. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. That, that's what it was. He was he was trying to fund he was trying to get the government to fund stem cell research to make to build him a second pizza joint or whatever. I forget what it was. Um, <laughs> um Twenty years he's still when, funny. I love it. When when processor technology improves, it improves all of the technology around it, the parts that we use to put alongside the processor and other parts around it. Um, GPUs in particular, GPUs are just giant CPUs designed for graphic rendering. That's all they are. Right. Um, mm-hmm. all, all, all technology around it improves. It improves our phones and improves. Mm-hmm. So it's important. It's important to know that it's slowing down because mm-hmm. And we've we've seen this with phones, we've seen this with computers, we've seen this uh, with I don't know calculators. Um, in mm-hmm. it, it's it's slowing down, and there's only so much physics can do. We've talked about we, we've said that statement a lot. There's only so much physics can do. Uh, so next big no. breakthrough is. Next thing fish food's got to come through sometime, right? Mm-hmm. Got to change, I don't know, plasma? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. So, so that's pretty good nerd talk. That was great. No, here's was here's my bridge. So, I looked it up. Our first podcast was March 4th, 2017. So, we missed a two year anniversary. A lot's changed since then, ma'am. And March 4th? March 4th, 2017. Was it released on March 4th? Or yes. 
It was probably recorded, recorded a few days before that, yeah. That was the day after Zelda. I, that was specifically what we talked about on the fucking podcast. You were already pl- like four I hours believe, in. I can't believe I stopped playing Zelda to record a podcast with you. I know, I know, I know. That's how much you you actually liked and respected me at that point. It's an amazing transformation to now. Well, I never did that. But. <laughs> so here's what I wanted to ask you. I mean, you know, you have an official two year anniversary. Whatever. I just had my four year Bizzle cast anniversary. I, I don't. I don't. In general, in life, I'm not big on anniversaries, birthdays, stuff like that. So who cares? But it's a good chance to look back. While we're talking about computers, so I have a couple of questions. So I'll start with the positive. In the last two years, what are some gaming-related positive computer trends, either you know, popular games or genres or whatever, where you know solidifying the PC's place where it should be the, the master race as the you know clear frontrunner for any type of gaming, of a game where you can argue both sides is Destiny. Because undeniably, at your level, playing Destiny 2 on the computer is amazing. But, you know, it, it still looks better on my television with my regular PlayStation 4 than almost anything else I own or have ever played, right? So that makes an argument both for PCs being superior, but the game is superior, so it's great on all systems. So what, what, yeah. what's definitively been better on PC, whether it's exclusive to PC or just run so much better over the last couple of years, or, or is there, or is there not an example? No, well, well, the, 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 the general statement would be insert game. It does look better on PC, right? Um, so, so it's hard to cherry pick and say this game without a doubt, Look better on PC than it could have ever looked anywhere else. Well, yeah, that generally applies to every game. I'm just trying to think of one game in particular that, like, had its shit kicked into overdrive the minute it went to PC. Um, hmm. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. With all the great AAA titles, some exclusive, some non-exclusive over the last couple of years. Hold on one sec. I got one. I got one. I got one. Let me just finish the thought so I can kind of, you know, just cut. Um, uh, you know, like everything from, you know, Darkest Dungeon to all sorts of weird, bizarre you know, adventure games, walking simulators, uh, roguelike games, you know, super hardcore strategy games. Some of them end up on consoles. I mean, even Solaris is on console, which I can't believe, but you get like bizarre strategy and RPGs. Some of that's still available for computer, but a lot of those games, dude, as you know, aren't even super big, like, uh, speed hogs. Like, they run on almost anything, which is really fascinating. I, I, I've got it. Go for I, it. I, I've got the games. Go. So let's take the best-selling piece of medium ever and the last few years' worth of open-world games that are, have been incredible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since, the, since, since the decade turn. Skyrim and the PC community 
have made that game look from horrendous to incredible ever since that game's inception. Mm. Right? The amount of work that has gone into modding that game to make it look however you choose has been incredible. And there are, like, that game when it came out was great. It was. It was, no matter how much you don't like it, Jesse, that, which is fine. You're not, you're allowed to not like a video game. Like, Wait, it, how did this it, become it looked, about me? It, it what did I do? Incredible. What did I it do? It looked incredible. It looked incredible. It felt incredible. And the amount of work that people have just put into it to continue to make it look good is, it has been, has been great. But that was, that was only going to last for such a time. I'm grateful to Skyrim for pioneering the, the, the giant open world because of games like the, Witcher and Horizon. So I'm, I understand how important it was. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. It's that still buggy as shit, and I couldn't get whole, through it. That was terrible a combat. Whole, that was a bait the whole time. All right. Um, by the way, really quickly, in my in the first time Austin, which really guys, we were hoping that Austin on tonight. We're having technical difficulties on his end. It's not his fault. We'll ha- we'll have him on soon. But in the first podcast where he called in, it, like halfway through, and it was an E three podcast. At the very end. We were, you brought up Fallout 76, and I just made a fart noise for 20 minutes about what I thought it was going to be. I was right, and I was right. It is a bunch of fart noises, and that's it. I'm sorry, dude. Bethesda's buggy as shit. Even their good games like New Vegas. It, it's, it, to not acknowledge listen, it is insane. Listen, listen. I have no doubt that if Rage 2 and Doom Eternal also are flops, I'm going to throw a hissy fit with you. Okay, so chill out. Alright? So Fallout 76 isn't enough. No, because it's a spinoff, and we all knew it was going to be shitty once the beta came out. That's not what you said a year ago, but that's okay. I won't point people to the tape. I said when the beta came out. I said when the beta came out. You also thought Anthem when was going to be come great. Out. So. When did the beta come out? When did the beta come out? The beta came out two weeks before Look, that. Look, we're even. We're even. We are even. I didn't say Anthem was yeah. going to be good. We're I said, even. I hope Anthem is good. Sure. We're, we're even. Difference. You were right about No Man's Sky and uh, Sea of Thieves, and I was right about Anthem and Fallout 76. So we are we're completely even. Um, Even though my titles are much more expensive and high profile than yours, I'll give it to you and say we're even. Which you should play Sea of Thieves, by the way. Looks <laughs> incredible on what, PC. What does? Witcher three. Oh yeah, that game's so great. I put two hundred hours in Witcher three, man. After all my bitching and complaining, and you, thankfully, I have a friend like you who gently kept saying. Jesse, you're gonna like this game. Just play it. You're gonna like The Witcher. Like, just play it. And then 200 hours later, I want to go back, but I've done everything I care to do. You can you can play that game on console and okay. experience it, can, do, but you can't experience yeah. it yeah. with with the graphical enhancements. No, that PC oh yeah, yeah, has. it'll be it's much not, easier. Yeah, yeah. It's so much of a prettier world and experience. Yeah. And Cyberpunk's going to be amazing. Wow. Cyberpunk's going to be amazing. Cyberpunk is going to be incredible. Yeah, I'm hoping Cyberpunk aligns with my next upgrade, which will be about a year to a year and a half from now. My next computer upgrade, which will... No. Here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing. Wi- Windows... Uh, how do I say this? 
Running Windows within a Mac uh, architecture is actually not that tough to do. But gaming wise, I don't know if that if that works. As long as it's a virtual console or the actual OS, then yeah. Can I bring up something I really liked that was sort of at the end of our last podcast discussion that we may or may not continue here, but just I does th- do think relate is, we, we, you know, you and I started really brainstorming about all the various forms of payment options because we acknowledge that, you know... <laughs> Triple A games with all the crunch and all the hours and all the money at sixty dollars is actually they're losing money on these games unless they sell ten fifteen million units. You know what I mean? Um, and so we were like, well, maybe they do some shorter games where it's less money or it's episodic, like Life is Strange, or we pay seventy five or eighty or eighty five and get stuff included. And we discussed well. We trust, you know, the Sony Studios, and we trust Nintendo, and we probably trust Ubisoft, and like a couple other things. Uh, by the way, Ashley Birch's uh, a series for Apple, which is in collaboration with the It's Always Sunny people, the main two guys from It's Always Sunny and Ashley Birch for the Apple TV series, uh, is about Ubisoft and they're funding it. It's like a Silicon Valley thing or whatever. About about a company that's based in Ubisoft, paid p- partially by Ubisoft, so says Ashley Birch. So that should be interesting. Um, but we're coming up with interesting scenarios. But here's the thing, man: if every two to three months they released five to ten hours of Horizon content, I would pay so quickly. Honestly, I'd pay for a season pass. That's the problem. The games that aren't amazing that I'm not interested in have all these season passes. But a game like Horizon, I would definitely pay a season pass for, and it's not available. Um, Borderlands Three. Mm-hmm. The co-op looter shooter. Borderlands. And listen, if Destiny actually no birches, it's birch free. Release, by it, the way, I did more research since last time. It's completely birch yeah, free. It, it, oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it is. Um. Well, Tiny Tina is five years older, so I imagine they can change the voice. Well, now. Anthony's um, the real problem, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, what's it called? Right. Um, Borderlands. If Destiny figured out its content, but it hasn't, and it probably won't for a while. Um, Borderlands is the only like co-op slash single player shooter that I've ever mm-hmm. known to figure out single player story DLC. People love Borderlands too, whether they admit it or not. Everybody fucking loves that game. They love it, love it. It's People so can good. love Borderlands it, Three. It's it's even it's even way more guaranteed than Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, game, yeah. That's a game that you should get on PC since the Game of the Year edition will be like seven bucks on sale. What Borderlands Two? Yeah. Yeah, that would run on my Mac, no problem. The question is controllers. Uh, no, it would. Trust me, it would. Uh, would the PC suffer? It'll run on the PC. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, it looks and acts great on my um, television. The problem is, when I want to get immersed in a shooter, I'm going to go back to Destiny. I mean, it's just sitting there waiting for me, and there's no competition at this point. But Borderlands Three, if we get some co-op going on, let's, you know, I, yeah. that that now is very intriguing to me. Yeah. So, um, other trends in the last two years since we started podcasting: console, computer. What have we liked? What have we not liked? I mean, 
clearly Sony took off almost very shortly after our first podcast. Sony went, you know, and they're about to hit 100 million units. I don't even know the what to Switch say about it. It's utter and complete dominance over mobile gaming and is proving the trend of the future. Can I ask you, what do you make of these numbers where they were saying 25 million and then 20, and now they're saying like 17 and a half million Switch? Nintendo usually is pretty good about both counting and reporting its numbers. Um, I think 25 was the estimate by next year 17 and a half seems small to me man they got to do something with the hardware new models I something imagine, i i imagine they'll hit 25 by the end of the 2019 if based the on the titles yeah. that are coming out because you've got animal crossing coming out you've got fire Emblem coming out a bunch of other titles that were announced are coming out this year you've got the new platinum game coming out this year mm-hmm there's a whole bunch that could be happening this year. Yep. Can I? Can the, I throw the, it? This is Nintendo's year. This is Nintendo's year. Well, unless, unless Sony announces, technically, three- so far it's Sony's year with the unit sales. But I hope it's Nintendo's year. That would be great. No, no, I meant game wise. Oh no, I meant game wise. Mm-hmm. I meant game wise because like, game wise, even even if my prediction comes true, where. Every announced Sony exclusive comes out for the PS4. Yeah. Then Sony is still two games short as of right now. That's can before I, Nintendo E3. Can I? So can I give you? My I would assume Sony E3 only has yeah. those four titles. So Go the ar- the argument for a. Um, relatively soon release of a cheaper, slightly smaller model of the Switch, which I know you hate. An argument for it, though, is that the Nintendo 2DS XL campaign has been very successful. The whole point of the oh, 2DS XL has specifically been to unload all the games that they've made for the 3DS they're trying to move on from. So they released the 2DS XL. Yeah, and it, that's one of the things we discussed last time was where they're losing their sales is the multi-child household. Right. Because you can no longer right. buy multiple units. Right. Even when the 3D first yeah. launched. Well, can I give you can I or, give you the scenario? Can I give you a scenario? Yeah. Okay. If I were Nintendo, so right, you made the argument. By the way, you said you can get a 2DS XL for $75. Where do you see that price? It's 129 not, not XL, 2DS, 2DS. Not XL, 2DS. Oh, the flat one? Yeah, the, the slice of bread one. That's uh, like, like uh, so ugly. Like, 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 the, like the double Game Boy. Game, double Game Boy Advance guys. That's ugly. <laughs> ugly. So, it's okay. very small. So, okay. But let's say you get refurbished 2DS XL. You get two of them. That's $250. As you pointed out, two Switches without any game, $600. But what about this, Ethan? What if they release a smaller version... And for somewhere between two twenty nine and two forty nine, you get the smaller version with all the accessories and a Zelda. I would repackage Zelda because that's what everyone wants. And it's been out forever, so you give them Zelda accessories somewhere between two twenty nine to forty nine, or base unit a, a Switch Mini one ninety nine ninety nine. They would sell like gangbusters at $200 for the mini unit. I know it's not what you want, and I do think the bigger, better Pro is going to come out, but in the near future, 
Ethan, I'm here to tell you if uh, if I can get two hundred dollars for a smaller, more comfortable, more portable switch, that might be the thing to get me. I hate to say it. Thoughts? I think Nintendo's either going to probably take two routes with this. So one, I don't, I don't hate the idea. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm actually in favor with the idea. I just mm-hmm. prefer them to release a switch. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry, can I just add a, a quick sub point and I'm going to throw it to you and shout out, okay. which is it's also because the type of like turn-based RPGs and strategy games I like, like Fire Emblem, tend to work on smaller, like, you know, again, I still play my old DS uh, Lite or whatever the fuck it is. So, you know, the type of game, I'm not playing Dark Souls 3 on it, right? So I would go into it knowing that, you know, the type of games that, that works for me on the smaller unit. Go ahead. So, if I'm Nintendo, there's two routes I can take with this. The first... Yeah, you've got Miyamoto and, dollars. And again, I'm and making again, you Nintendo. Again, You're again. an exec in Nintendo. You've got Miyamoto dollars. I'm, Go to town. I'm. My market isn't you. It's how do I best fit my... You sell my unit to everybody. Specifically a family-friendly audience mm. first, mm. Then, then all the other genres, right? Uh, my, my job is to build the best, most accessible road that everyone can walk on, not just people who are on wheelchairs can I- or can only... Or only have four toes. Um, can I give Nintendo more brilliant ideas that they should be doing? How long can my argument be put off? Go ahead. Oh no! I'm sorry. I, yeah, no. If you're still flying, no, no, no. Go, go. If you're still flying, I was going to build on that, but keep going. Well, basically, the ideas come down to: I can either make an actual Switch Mini and make the screen, make the unit smaller, everything smaller, turn down the hardware a little bit, or make it the same size, um, and take the dock out of the box. And all you get is the charger, the Joy-Cons, in the unit. You could do that. Or you can take the dock out of the unit, make it the same exact unit, sell it for $200, and drop the normal switch by $25. That's the two options I see in front of me. The reasons why this is the case, uh, this is the case I'm pointing, uh, the argument I'm pointing at is for a couple reasons. One, you don't want to not be able to sell a person the dock later on. Two, you don't want to have to force people to buy several different controller types and not be able to mix and match and not play with each other. The Switch's brilliancy is its ability to be play playable in every situation, whether it's on the go or at home. You can play solo or play with somebody else. And so if you take away that functionality across the board, that idea, that mindset, you're, you're A, your marketing, but also your unit becomes severely more limited. If I can't pick up a controller and hand it to you and we can't play Mario Kart together, even so be it on a three inch, we each have three inches of screen to play with, that is still a feature taken away from me, the consumer. And I like I, I just don't feel like that's Nintendo's mo. I just don't. Right. The reason they took the 3D out of the 
2DS, and we called it the 2DS, was because A, it would save them money, and because B, everybody knew the 3D feature was a flop, even right. Nintendo. Right. So they didn't right. want to, what they didn't want to do was um, prevent people who, from A, did like the 3D feature from not being able to have it, and that's why they included it later on. But then B, they also wanted to find ways to make it cost-effective, and that was one of the ways, and that made sense. Everybody figured that was a flop, but people aren't criticizing the unit for its... Like, if you're a mom, you want your kids to play together or whatnot, right? The fact that I can let my kids play, have two kids play on the same unit together, whether it's off the dock or... Uh, in the dock, that's a huge bonus, right? And that does help with that family thing. Unfortunately, kids are selfish, so they want to. They each want their own. Um, oh, of course. So, the, so it, 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 that, that's just why I feel I, I feel like the Switch brand is a part of this play your way anywhere. That is actually how they marketed and branded one of their trailers. Here's the problem. In fact, I think it was the opening trailer. Okay. So I, I feel like they changed too much of their identity if they go away from that, and that's why they were, those are the two options I gave. So speaking of corporate bragging, the big brag when they thought there was 27 million uh, Switch units sold was, oh, it's even outselling the PlayStation. Well, if you do the math, <laughs> PlayStation is averaging 20 million units sold a year. Nintendo is not. And no. here's the problem, man. For all the... U- so Sony is entering, entering DS and uh, Wii territory of 100 million units and a billion uh, software units, right? Sure. You know how many of those billion software units have any sort of local couch co-op? Like 0.005% or something. I don't think people care about it that much. It's not enough of a selling point. Your number one selling point for me, for the Switch, is it's less expensive, it still looks great, you can take it on the go anywhere, it's comfortable and fun to play portably 90% of the time, and if you really feel like sitting on your couch and hooking it up, you can do it and it'll look pretty good. To me, that's the pitch, not the let's play Mario Kart together on like half of a controller. I'm sorry. it's Right. If I'm going to play competitively locally, if we're going to play Battletoads together, we need two real controllers to play against each other. You know, like, come on. And 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 so part of it, which is, we should do, by the way, is play Battletoads. <laughs> sure. P- p- part of it is is again the road I would the road I feel Nintendo is building is a road everybody can walk on if they so choose, not the road specifically designed for you. And speaking of which, something that you mentioned earlier that I felt was curious, and I want I want to probe you about this. So so one of the things one of the things that I was curious about and I mm. thought it, it, it is okay if I probe you on this Go. did you say you wanted you thought a switch mini would have a smaller screen I I no I don't know I I you know again my preference for the entire design is for it actually to get slightly bigger and more rounded as opposed to right, just long right. yes well, no what I would do is keep the exact screen they have now but get rid of the bezel that's it okay yeah, keep the exact same screen. The Joy-Cons keep them exactly the same, even if they're a little oversized. Or you may, I mean, what I would do is get rid of the bezel on all four sides and then actually make the Joy-Cons like fins at the bottom a little bit to give a little extra grip. 
So keep the Joy-Cons exactly the same. Keep the screen side the same. Get rid of the bezel. There's your Mini right there. Boom. I'd pay two forty nine yeah. for that if it came with Zelda. I just, I just feel like and there's no way they would just give you Zelda. It just isn't. Um, or something. Or Mario Rabbids or whatever. They would probably include... For a just go one ninety nine, no games. A, I would just go one ninety nine. Oh, that was my idea. For, that was my idea. A, a Switch Mini for two yep. eight two eighty nine might include Mario Kart. We have some we have some unfinished business, my friend, because I believe they announced they're porting Link to the Past. No, it was no? it was leaked, not confirmed. Oh. It was leaked along with other for a Metroid game. And for a Persona yeah. game, yeah. but we now know that the Persona game is a is a war is a Warriors game, so it's not a re, it's not really Persona Five. So for this here's point. what so I would it could do: could be like in the past, it could be something else. Yep. So I would release the unit for one ninety nine ninety nine mini, nothing included other than the basic accessories. But then I, I would offer a Nintendo Plus at fourteen, let's say twelve ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine a month. Where they already. Did. Uh, wait, 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 hold on, 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 via their service while you're a subscriber but you'd have so, access to all those Zelda games all the metroid games all the mega man games all the mario games dude people would so pay 12.99 14.99 a month for that even just so for that do you know what nintendo switch online is no no, no. i i don't i don't know the details i my, i want you and i want you to talk about it, educate us who aren't switch users but I, my, my whole point is uh, again, undersell the technology and then sell the online services would be a very smart move. But I, I don't know what Nintendo Switch Live is, so go ahead. So I can sort of see them giving away maybe a year or a month of Nintendo Switch Online with the unit sale. That might make sense. That's a great um, call because people will get hooked. And so dude, based thing. on oh, can so, I just say this really quickly? Because we we talked about beforehand that before I was recording the official thing, which is not only has PlayStation almost had a hundred million units, but a full third, oh, more than a third, thirty six million people are monthly subscribers or yearly subscribers to PlayStation Live. What Nintendo could do for a similar or cheaper price with a better product is mind blowing. I just wanted to bring that in. Go ahead. So they already do make a comparable uh, product for a vastly diff, uh, uh, percentage of the price. Yep. For a third of the price for what, what PS Plus is sixty a year, fifty a year, sixty a year. Yeah, the yearly price is, is is much cheaper. You keep telling me I don't need it for anything important in Destiny, so I'm going to let my monthly subscription lapse not and right not now. renew yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like 60 for a year. For $20, you get a year of Nintendo Switch Online. You get the following features. Cloud saves. Yeah. Uh, for, for most games. There, there's a few... Caveat. Which is no joke because uh, I lost uh, everything when my PlayStation crashed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you get cloud saves, you get uh, access to all multiplayer games, 
So if you're playing Mario Kart online, you're playing Splatoon online, whatever, you get access into those. Um, and you get um, you get access to their um, their NES Classic Library. So every month they are adding five oh, that's what so I said. NES games okay. to their library every it's month. It's just a matter of time before the best Metroidvania and Zelda games come. It's just a matter of time. You know it. I know it. Metroid, Metroid 1, linked to uh, the original Zelda, Legend of Zelda, Mario Bros, and Mario Bros 3 are already yeah. on that system. Uh, and Punch Out. Yeah. Um, Look, Ethan, I'm just going to yeah, say it. Hold I'm, on. I'm, this is the best part. Okay. This is the best part. Okay, give me the best part. You can link your Switch unit Ayo, nice with one. up to six link. other units to create a Switch family. And you can... Slash orgy. You all get the benefits of the pr- of the price of one Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch family membership, meaning $20 mm-hmm. among seven people mm-hmm. get the benefits. Mm-hmm. So within the family, if you have multiple Switch units, or if you're smart people like me and my friends, you each handed your one friend $5, and you all had Nintendo Switch online. Yep. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, like, like this is such a good soup. Like, people like to give Nintendo shit for their service, that it is lacking. Nobody gives them shit. This was a huge thing. Everyone loves Nintendo. I literally don't listen to any streamers of any kind that don't love Nintendo. When it first came out, people wanted to give Nintendo Switch Online a bunch of shit. That it wasn't wasn't ready, that it was mitching some features. Okay. I understand why those features are there, but here's here's what people don't understand. They wanted to give Nintendo shit for the little things. Here's the thing. Listen up, people. 20 fucking dollars. Yep. And in some situations, mm-hmm. three fucking dollars. Preach, you preach. were getting, you were, were getting a whole library of NES games preach. for free. Preach. Cloud saves and and a few other features for three fucking dollars a month. Guess how much Sony pays? You have to pay Sony yep. and Microsoft yep. for the same features yep. and arguably similar <laughs> yeah. circumstances yeah. for the. Uh, Effectively the same service. Can I, can I bring in the Disney Star Wars connection about pricing here real quickly? Which is, so, I made a lot of predictions over the years. Some of them ranging from the Black Panther blowing away the planet, which I made about five years ago, to Ahsoka Tano, which you have no context about. I've gotten a number of Star Wars predictions right on. I've also been off on things. I, I never called, thought Palpatine would be coming back. I'm willing to admit where I'm wrong. But Ethan, the greatest prediction I made was the beginning of 2018, so over a year ago, I said Disney is going to charge $5.99 for their service and undersell everyone in the market. They're going to drop 8,000 episodes of television and 800 movies on us all at once, and every household in America is going to get it. You know what? I was off by a dollar. It's six ninety nine a month, but they're doing exactly what I thought they would do. And I think Nintendo, which still has a family-friendly image, by the way, man, certainly a kid-friendly image, could they just offer all the old games that everyone wants and isn't that expensive and make their service even less expensive and offer more things all of a sudden that's going to sell a ton of units and it really put uh, put a hole in uh, PS Plus and Xbox uh, Live or whatever so, it's called. I've actually learned a lot about like um what's it called? Um, 
porting software. It's actually, from what I understand, it's a lot harder than you think. For some situations, it's easier. For some situations, it's harder. What Nintendo fears most, right, is they run into a situation where you have, uh, I forget the name of the game, but there's this game on the 3DS that what it allows you to do is you're allowed to plug in this one specific game that you no longer print. And with it, you are able to basically hack open any other 3DS title that they have ever put out. And this this game was put out in like the first two years of the product. And from what I understand, the game allows you to just hack into the complete architecture of the unit. And because of that negligence, Nintendo is afraid of letting that happen again. Porting is not easy. And emulation, yes, it's easy in the sense that you choose your emulator, load your game files, there's your emulator. Nintendo has one of the hardest geeks there is, right? It's... I'm sobbing inside for Nintendo. Like, let me finish. Ninten- I'm no, sorry. Like that, that deserves a response. Like a that deserves a response. I'm not, I'm not defending the company for their choices or how they monetize things. At least they're not selling, at least they're not selling it back to us in like, you know, terrible ports or anything. No, I'm just not going to cry them a river. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm not, I'm not crying them a river either. I'm just well, it sounded like where you were going, like, so I wanted to put a stop to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain <laughs> why Nintendo does it. Right. Mm-hmm. The reason Nintendo for the does audience because I know why. Go ahead. <laughs> it, it, they're, they're not interested. They're not interested in porting all of these games all the time. That's not what they're interested in. There's a small team mm-hmm. dedicated to figuring out porting those games to the Switch, right. and then never never changing anything about them. Right. There's a reason why you don't like. There's a reason why Nintendo doesn't release their games, re-release their games, is because they don't like reusing content. They okay. don't. Their MO is making new stuff. Okay, could we get back to just positive, upbeat speculation about the Switch? Because I'm excited about different scenarios that'll get me a Switch sooner rather than later. So, here's my question, man. So, right. So, let's say they say we're putting out a mini in the short term for less money. Um, this summer, early fall, and then next year we're gonna drop a pro version that'll be basically the same size, but without the bezel, bigger screen, a little bit lighter, a little bit thinner, and a little bit more ergonomic to hold. All the things I've been saying, blah 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 blah. The question at that point is, do I wait for next year for the pro or give in to the mini and there- thereby possibly making the pro out of reach for at least another couple of years? I seriously doubt that the form factor will change with the exception of the bezels. So so the I, I doubt that the form factor of the Joy-Tons would change. Well, and I doubt that the form and I well, doubt the dock is going away. Wait, I doubt form- that the dock is going away. But if you get rid of the bezels, then the the Joy-Cons are, are wider than the screen. No 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 no, no. just just the internal bezels. The switch has two bezel layers. It has the chassis itself, and it has no. The there should be no screen. bezel. It should just be screen and Joy Cons. That's it. That's it. 
If you can do it with the iPhone XR, I don't know why you can't do it with this. Because otherwise, Jesse, Nintendo, (laughs) they're not interested in making their device cost $500. That's why. We just talked about how a 5K screen can add about $1,200 to your... Okay. Oh, can I follow this line of thought? Sure. Okay. Go ahead. So, can you get it to three ninety nine for the Pro, and then let's say one ninety nine to two twenty nine for the Mini? No, because they'll do they'll follow the three DS model, where once the new quote unquote new three DS came out, that it's new three DS went for retail price of the old three DS, mm-hmm. and the old three DS went down to so near 2ds levels right so in terms of so, so what you're you're saying is they're going to keep improving the main regular model every couple of years and there might be a mini but you don't foresee a, a, um, a pr- one that's over 299 dollars no okay if that's true then i'm getting a mini if it's coming out this summer matt if i get a mini this summer for 200 dollars, i will in a second just because I can borrow tons of games from you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, like, I and beat Zelda, don't see Nintendo, I just don't see Nintendo yeah. deviating from this path yeah. where the dock is not interchangeable. The Joy-Cons are not interchangeable. I don't yep. see them doing that. So the Joy-Cons are staying the same. The, they might make an upgraded that's dock a problem where it has more me. USB ports or something. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the only thing I can problem. see them or it's a faster charge, or something mm-hmm. like that. That's the only thing I could see them changing the dock about. Or may, 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 maybe if they're very ambitious, they'll put HDMI 2.0, 2, 2.1 in the unit. That's about it, right? Yeah. The, the, they, they're not going to change the dock. They're not going to change the Joy-Cons. I don't see them doing that. What Why? they will do, and you, you've, seen the, you, you've seen the Switch. This, but this is the problem. Basically, the Switch has... Um, the, the the outer bezels are actually there's basically no bezel. The joy cons are the problem. The joy cons are the problem. The joy cons are the problem. It's not comfortable to hold. It's not comfortable. They're to not hold. They will not. They're not going to buy it. They're not going to buy it. So maybe I'm the only one. You'll have. You know what, Ethan? Maybe I'm the only one who does not think it's comfortable to hold. But I'm willing to bet I'm not because I've heard other people say it online. It's a beautiful th- system. I even like the Joy-Cons, as I've told you, but the weight balance is completely off. It's way too long and, wi- and wide. It's it's ridiculous. They have to balance it out. Whether that comes in terms of the screen, the I weight, the thinness, fine. or the Joy-Cons, you have to balance it. That's literally the thing keeping me from Switch. If that thing was comfortable to hold, two ninety nine, I would go right now and get it, honestly. I don't have the money for it. I get it if it was comfortable to hold, but it's just not comfortable enough to hold. Hey, I like it just fine. Okay. All right. So here we go. So the serious topic is about uh, uh, crunch slash Fortnite boredom. Um, Two topics that are somewhat related and somewhat unrelated. Apex, Anthem, etc. The whole live service thing. I actually... I have never been interested in Fortnite. I give two shits about Battle Royale. Apex sounds cool. Not into it. Even fucking, you know, um, uh, uh, the division and stuff like. I'm just, I'm not into it. If if Destiny wasn't beautiful and had great shooting mechanics, I wouldn't be in that to that either. So okay, let's just address this all at once. Which is, 
you know, we both kind of felt like Apex jumped ahead. It was probably going to, you know, not be the best thing forever, forever. Fortnite was surprising for a while when it seemed like PUBG was the thing. But I've always said, and I think you agree, we've always sort of thought the Battle Royale thing would die down. To me, it's just such a boring format. And these games either look goofy, like Fortnite and... um uh, Overwatch or like overly like PUBG or <laughs> the division just like dark green and brown military gun shit which I equally hate Anthem's a disaster Fallout 76 is a disaster tell me there's hope for live service games other than Destiny out there go then we'll that get was into crunch. about six different questions in one question. My question is, other than Destiny 2, all topics. the live service games on a AAA level are disasters of various sorts or very self-consciously heading downwards like Fortnite and I think Apex if it's not already. Or am I totally wrong? And Fortnite's just you're, growing. You're, you're going to keep you're, you're pulling. You're, you're pulling several different topics, so let, 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 me, let me dissect them all first. Yep. So I'm also giving you free reign was sort of so the idea. Go ahead. A live service is not necessarily a battle royale, and a battle royale is not necessarily that. a live service. I understand that. I understand that. You're right. You're right. I conflated them. Also, Division doesn't really play into this because it's just a live service, not a battle royale. And, That's true. And Destiny, you're bringing up Destiny because you've experience with it. Well, it's the only one that's ever appealed to me, and I've liked it since I played it. Right, and 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 because you experience with it, yeah. Right, but I've specifically chosen to never ever be interested or play Anthem, Apex, Fortnite, PUBG, and a lot of other right. ones. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so let, let's talk about. Let, so that's why I'm asking the, you the question because you know what you're box. talking about. That was the whole point of the question. The one checks all the boxes here would be Fortnite. So let's talk about Fortnite for go. a second. Go. So get ninja on me. <laughs> so let's 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 talk about the Fortnite crunch thing, and then we can compare that situation to what Anthem did and what Destiny did, and with Apex Anthem is currently running into as a problem. That's that's where you're going with this. Now I see where you're going with this. Okay. Um, the so future of live article, services. So a couple weeks ago, we had that expose about Jason Schreier's Kotaku article about Anthem. And how, yeah. what a shit show that development was, and the crunch and all that. And so, crunch has been a topic lately in the gaming community. Um, and the most recent uh, development has been about Fortnite, the most popular game in the world currently. And how basically for months it was brought down upon from higher-ups that because Fortnite is making all the money in the world right now, we don't... They they, they weren't sure how much longer Fortnite was going to continue being a several billion dollar IP. Totally understandable from a CEO perspective, right? What's not so understandable? Forcing your employees to work 70 to 100 hour work weeks. That is in fucking sane. People were working on Fortnite in and out, day in and out. And so what's important to explain here about the development 
and how Fortnite is both a live service and a battle royale is to continue to update the game, to continue to make the game feel fresh and enjoyable and whatever, et cetera, et cetera. What they needed to do was continue to put out balance patches to continue to add in this new cool gun or add in this cool new feature. And so this required everyone to be working around the clock 24-7 in order to get this game ready for its next patch, whether that was getting the bug out of the game that was just discovered in 48 hours or getting ready for the next patch in a week and a half. These people were working round the clock in certain cases, at least what Epic says in certain cases, 70 to 100 hours. That is, it, it, it's ridiculous. And so it, 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 this is just unsustainable. It's just unsustainable. The culture was, everyone, everyone was looking at each other's pointing fingers saying, I want to take off, you want to take off, but we both can't take off. So we're just going to keep working. Like the, it, the, the claim is that no one ever was forced to work, but that just, so that they're just, just complaining like a bunch of whiny they, brats. Is that what's going on here? What? They're acting like brats. The developers or <laughs> no, the employees, CEOs. <laughs> the employees. No, no, this happens in so many corporations is the problem. Yeah. And I wish well, it's, it's not Jason Schreier's. Yeah, it's not Jason Schreier's job to report on like all corporations. He's specifically a video games journalist. I get it, but I wish some people would make the comparison to many, many, many oversized private corporations where you are pressured into working 60, 80, 100 hours a week. It happens in the finance business a ton. That's why they do so much coke, fucking cocaine. It happens in law uh, on all sides, defense law, uh, you know, district attorneys work insane hours and so forth. Because unless you have a union or government work where, where you're protected, there's really no law against this. And right. just like with loot boxes, maybe the video game industry can lead on this. Just like they're hopefully going to lead on the issue of, of underage gambling and just gambling addiction in general, right? I mean, that would be the best case scenario and, here. And, and, and hopefully, but... And, and I, this is not to discount other corporations, but we're talking about video games here. And so it's important to bring up that this is happening because the push to unionize by developers is happening. It's just happening very slowly. Um, it, 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 it's an issue when it, it becomes a bigger issue when it's all it's hundreds of employees rather than just your occasional few plus your higher ups, at least for the for the dev um, for the studio. Not, I'm not talking about like CEO higher ups. I'm talking about like uh, sandbox lead or art lead or whoever else. Right, those type of people. Those type of people, yeah, they're on salary. They're they're kind of more expected mm. to be along that type of culture. But we're talking about people who are effectively contractors working. 70, 80, 90, 100 hours. Like, like, that's just ridiculous. That shouldn't be the case. And so it, 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 this is just happening so much in the industry. And now we know why a several billion dollar IP game was able to keep its rhythm going. 
because these people were worked to death. That's why. And that's insane. That shouldn't be the expectation. And now there's this stigma in the, uh, there's this idea in the gaming world that if your game isn't updated within every two weeks, hell, your game's dead. As soon as that happens, it's, it's insane. And this just is a level of work that's unsustainable in the gaming industry. And so how this ties in to other live service games, it's like I was saying, your game is updated every two weeks, your games, you right. fuck your game. Um, it, it, this makes live service games harder to sell because the idea that a constant update is every two weeks, uh, well, we're, we'll say constant, but what we mean is one to three months is, is mm-hmm. an update for constant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 the, the, the industry is a fickle place because, like I said, it, if the general public thinks that your game is being updated every two weeks, then it's, it, 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 pushes, it pushes corporations to push these developers much harder. And until they're unionized, they're just not protected. They're just not. No. They're just not. And um, so going into – so that's kind of what I wanted to say about the well, I think the Fortnite the, the Live Service Battle Royale thing. Yeah. Um, I think we've answered this before, though, which with Ubisoft and Destiny and other projects and companies, which is yearly iteration, whether it's every two years or every six months, regular, constant, consistent, good iteration over, you know, the year period makes a lot of sense. It you know, Assassin's Creed is now moved every 2 years, which is exactly what it should have done. It needs an extra year, but it's still essentially a yearly iteration with all the updates and so forth. The, the <laughs> Ubisoft's problems have never been bugs, but still, you know, for the most part in recent years. Um, but don't you think, I mean, that's how you solve crunch. You don't do have this giant five to seven year project that leads up to a six month period where everyone loses their mind. You just release a very good product in the beginning. And this goes back to our pricing models, 50, 60, $70 for the initial. But like I said, for games like the Witcher and horizon, I would easily pay five to $10 a month or every two months or every three months or whatever for just even a small amount of expansion, like physical expansion to the map like you don't even have to give me quests just like make a bigger map with some little fetch things to do you know be happy to pay five to ten dollars a month and i feel like all the companies with all of their own titles you know as different as like nintendo and sony are for example in some ways it's thing i still think it applies every everything's moving to you know i mean disney is just the biggest and latest of, of all of this you know disney slash fox um but you know i, I think the, the video game companies have been onto this for a while but the one that starts offering real content with that 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 monthly price i think uh will be very successful um and that that's why i keep trying to give nintendo the advantage going forward if they can pull it off but as we've commented nintendo for whatever reason is happy to work against their own financial interest regularly either on principle or for some reasons that are completely unintelligible for me so i'll throw it to you because i have no idea it it it's hard to how do I put this? 
love leaving the gaming industry is so yuck right we've seen not for nintendo they've been in this for 150 years literally to the people out there we've talked about this before but if you guys haven't listened to us yeah the, but they, I'm yeah. saying, they've been in the entertainment product business since the late 1800s. I think that this is the reason Levi jeans are st- are still so popular and sell so much. They've literally sure. been selling jeans since like the 1860s. <laughs> sure, but when you have when you have the industry as a whole, and unfortunately, as much yeah. as I would like Nintendo to be the market leader, they're not. They're not even close. So, no, not even close. Exactly. Yeah, they're not close. <laughs> so, so again, if you include all the portable units, then potentially they're actually the best. It, it just depends how you want to group it. So here's the thing: when the industry as a whole is so young in its experience, right? And what is what are the guidelines we follow? What is okay? What is not okay? What do we do? What do we know will sell a good product? What is expected by the consumer? These are all things that all these corporations consistently will push the boundaries on. Yep. All the time. And they will do it until it is no longer accessible, acceptable to do. Yep. They will continue to do it. That's why EA continues to try to find ways to put microtransactions into its games because they will push and pull and push and pull until they know they cannot make any more money out of their game. Not Jedi Fallen Order. It's not happening. By the way, dude. Until it's not there. Cool. It's it's until it's yeah. not there. Okay. I, I, here's yeah, here's yeah. here's my one bizzle. I'm I'm pulling the bizzle and I'm pulling a sidebar here. So last time we talked about Jedi Fallen Order, I was very skeptical. I had seen the trailer, it looked cool. I seen an interview with the kid who's playing the lead kid. He seemed pretty cool. And I'd seen clips from the panel. But I went back Ethan and I watched the full panel. Let me tell you. Lucasfilm Story Group was not just involved, but one of their senior and most nerdy, brilliant members, who we nerds know, was have been literally with them since before day one of pre-production, and are going to be with them well after day one of launch. And they d- were deferring to him constantly. Lucasfilm wrote this story, and they're just making the game around it. And I think they, listening to the execs from Respawn, you know, they were thankful to everyone about Apex doing so well and Titanfall and blah, blah, blah. But you could tell they were pumped to go from, you know, uh, you know, Battle Royale to like legit third person storytelling or whatever. I don't know if it's going to end up looking amazing or playing amazing or being the best, but I will say this. <clears throat> if everything comes together with Jedi Fallen Order, it could be game of the year contender. I'm sure The Last of Us Part 2 will win no matter what. It's already won if it's decent. Uh, I, I don't know, you'll have to tell me about Borderlands 3's potential there, but these guys, like in the episode Definitely 9, but cool. hold on, just like in the episode 9 panel with the Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, John Boyega, the actors, J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy, where they projected supreme confidence in the product. I couldn't believe how smart and relaxed but confident the Respawn guys were. This felt like listening to one of the Sony studios or the Nintendo development teams or something like that. Like they're, They feel in the relatively autonomous from EA is at least how they expressed it. You know, again, I don't know the politics. Go ahead. Here's what I can say. It's a great panel. It's worth watching. Respawn the whole thing is without it. Respawn put out a great campaign with Titanfall 2. They 
have experience making one of the greatest first-person shooter campaigns of all time in Modern Warfare 2. And so all I can say is so long as it's good, so long as EA isn't lying out of his ass, I'm all for it, right? Like, there are... there are certain things that I believe the gaming community has now agreed upon. A certain set of code, right? That most gamers would agree that if it's in my product, I don't. I'm 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 instantly torn about whether I want to buy this product or not. Right? Aggressive microtransactions. Pay to win, specifically pay to win items, are an instant killer of your game. They just are. How fast did Battlefront 2 drop as soon as it was declared by the community that this game was pay to win before it even came out? Before it even came out, that game was dead. Right. But but really quick, really quickly, if you have a game that is literally purely single player and you're not competing against anyone other than yourself... You you can't have microtransactions. Like I can't think of one popular game that is completely single player only that has microtransactions. I can't think of one. So by its very nature, it's not gonna happen. There's one. Don't worry. There's one. Dude, look. After the Titanfall games and Apex Legends, there's no. You were the one who argued by it. We should blame Bioware, not EA. So if you're gonna argue, we blame Bioware. Then we should credit Respawn with also having autonomy. Do not get me wrong. This is I'm not trying to find a reason that Respawn will fail with this. Right. That's that's not what I'm trying to do. Right. What I'm trying to say is is this is a game published by EA until I know that this game... But you exonerated them. You exonerated EA and Bioware. You blamed everything about this Anthem disaster on Bioware, not EA. And now you're blaming EA? It's not consistent. EA is still still the one implementing microtransactions into Anthem. EA is still the one that did not properly check. I know, but when I told you that EA was the one pushing the Bifrost engine or whatever the fuck it's called, except you found reasons to blame them for it instead of EA. I'm sorry. You either say EA is causing problems here or there, or or these companies are my words. You're twisting my words. Well, I'm trying to push the argument more than anything, but okay, if that's what you want. So, 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 So let me clarify for you. What I said was, is... That was the initial sentiment, but later we found out that uh, a couple days later, Schreier confirmed that Bioware was the, whether it was pushed on them by Upper and EA or not, it was on record official that Bioware chose to use Frostbite. Now, EA did things that definitely did not help Bioware with that. They took Frostbite engineers off of Bioware, uh, off of Anthem, or specifically whatever they were working on at the time, because they still had no fucking idea what they were working on. They took engineers that were specifically trained in Frostbite and put them on FIFA, because of course you fucking would. Why would I not put my most prominent engineers on my most, my biggest cash cow? Of course I would do that. I don't blame EA for that in the slightest. Right? That's just, that's just good corporate shit. Um, it, it 
EA had specific faults with Anthem, right? They were right. management, and they were they, they were um, they were management of the product and some allocation of resources. Right. However, the things that we commonly associate EA with for being disruptive of single good single player story driven games were not EA's fault in that situation. That's what I'm trying to. Okay. That's what I meant by that. Okay. Can we agree on okay. that? I don't know. You 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 have such a complicated way of arguing some of these things. I'm not really sure what side you're taking. Maybe that's the whole point. Well, you're not taking a side, which is I'm about to compliment That's a more responsible journalistic thing to do is not take sides. For me, I see which side is right and wrong, and I immediately jump on it. So that's just a, a character flaw of mine, I suppose. It just it, it just it just. Um, to me, mm-hmm. for, for my priorities, just yeah, so it's go. clear, right? For my priorities, my priority is playing a good fucking video game. And based on the information Schreier presented, to me and to most people, it is clear that BioWare's faulty system for developing video games, yeah. their process, their yeah. studio motif, their MO, right. their BioWare magic right. is the main culprit as to why they right. did not. And put so out. what I'm saying is, let us hope that the lack of care and, intera- and um, interjection that EA had with BioWare when they should have interjected, right? Let's be honest. Buck stops at the top. If your sub company is not working, you need to step in and take responsibility. Sure. Let us hope Absolutely. that that translates to an equal or greater amount of autonomy for Respawn, who seems to be doing the right thing the right way, right? right. That's all I'm saying. I, like, I, I, I I'm never, trying to praise. Right. I'm trying to praise EA here, at least in a potential sense of if you just let Respawn make a great single player Star Wars game, you are going to make so much money and get so much acclaim. Just don't touch it. Don't touch it. They know exactly what they're and, doing. They love Star and, Wars. And, and again, They've got the mythology completely right. They're, he's fighting the Inquisitors with Death Troopers, man. It's fucking... That's going to be awesome. Now, if you want me to look <sighs> at... Now, now, I know now, it's Star now, Wars. I apologize. At, yeah. It could be... It could be George Lucas himself. It could be the... It, it could be the actual force itself writing the story for this game. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I can find little holes to poke into respawn here mm-hmm. and say these are things that will prevent. Of course, we can always we can always poke holes. Let me finish. I'm let trying me to finish. tie. No, let me finish. I'm just trying to tie it back to our conversation, two conversations about Bioware, and I'm saying I, I think you and I should judge yeah. this as a respawn project more than EA project. And if they fuck it up, it's respawn's fault, not EA's fault. Hopefully. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, go. I was just trying to say that, yeah. Okay. I was trying to say, I can can poke holes and find reasons for how Respawn can fuck this up, right? How about they're a split studio making two games at the exact same time. They were making Apex and they're making Jedi Fallen Order. How about they're using Frankenstein's Source 2 engine, an engine from how already fucking years ago? They're they're Jedi... Just to correct that, real, their Jedi Fallen Order team is the Titanfall team, not anyone supposedly high up from Apex. That's what they're saying. Doesn't matter. You're a split studio. 
You're a split it, studio. I think they're just you a double studio. They're just a double half, studio. They're just a double half, studio. If a third of your no. manpower, it doesn't matter. If you, this manpower could have been okay. put on Jedi Fallen I, Order I instead. I can't take this negativity, Ethan. I can't take it. You're I'm negative about everything. Negative. You're negative I'm on everything. Being, I am being objective. And you find even when I'm throwing good positive if, vibes toward Nintendo, you find the negative in it. What's if going you on? find this, if you find this negative, that's only because you love Star Wars so much. Oh no, I don't care about that. You know that I'm skeptical of all skeptical people. I just wanted to share with you that after being so skeptical of anything about this game, even after learning about Respawn, I thought the interviews and panels that I saw with the Respawn guys were very impressive. They don't seem Great. like the congenital liar type of Sean Murray, for example. They they seem to be honest and genuine, and they seem, at least publicly and at the high levels of creativity, to have autonomy from EA. So let us hope that the great ideas that went into the Titanfall games in Apex can now be pushed with the Lucasfilm story group's help to craft a story... Dude... <laughs> I That's mean, what I, exactly look, look, what I said 10 look, minutes I ago. I love John Gonzalez for Horizon. I know he wrote a great game in Fallout New Vegas. The bottom line is only a handful of people give access to something like the Lucasfilm story group of some of the most brilliant creative minds on the planet. I hadn't realized that one of their senior members was on this project the last two years or more. It remains on it. Uh, to me, that that's a great, great, great sign that EA is yielding finally to Lucasfilm, being like, okay, we admit you probably would do your own games better. Like, yeah, we know, like from a creative standpoint. But yeah, I don't know what the engine is and stuff like that. The, the trailer looked good, but again, they admitted it wasn't a gameplay trailer, so it's hard to take anything from it. So I'm not saying don't be skeptical, but if, if, if let's put it this way, ETH, in this situation with this property that's so public and a company that's so acclaimed but you know active now like respawn if they can't pull this off there's no hope for for star wars video games right i mean now i'm negative but i think that's the reality i want them to give the star wars license to cd project red oh yeah yeah that'd be dope or or anyway, Naughty Dog. Eh, I, give Naughty Dog. Said, I give it to Naughty Dog. I give it to Naughty Dog. Everything you just said, <laughs> barring, barring the the panel talk, yep, is exactly what I said ten minutes ago in one statement, which so, was, yeah, I want the game to be good. Sure. And I've said it before, and I will say it again. Yeah. I want the game to be good. I know it can be good. Yeah. I hope EA's not lying out of their ass. Yeah. And I hope that like like, like if they're not, I'm gonna buy the fucking game. Yeah. Right. That, that's what I said before we got into the whole Bioware EA talk, right? I am, uh, it's all related, though. Yeah. I am being purely objective. The only reason the, for the reason I am being purely objective about it is because mm-hmm. EA stamp is on it. And I'd be the same way yeah. if Ubisoft's or Bethesda's yeah. or Activision's right. or anybody else's tag was on it. I would be exactly the fucking same. I would be purely objective. The only tag that was on it that (laughs) I wouldn't be purely objective about would be Destiny's because I would already be freaking out about it. That would be the only tag. And Pokemon. Pokemon. That would be the only tag I would not give a shit. I think, Ethan, maybe I should... The point of this... And I would make that clear. You made it very clear. Extremely. It's so clear. It's like glass that you walk into and smash your face because it's so spotless. Like that's. Thank you. You're there. 
However, the point of that section was for me to know more than you about something for once, but it got flipped in the end, and I just looked like an idiot again. My whole point was from the Lucasfilm side, which was I did not realize, like, I know the levels that they, of, they call the trust tree at Lucasfilm. There's Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, Pablo Hidalgo, Matt Martin, who I met, who's the man, and like two or three other people, essentially, who are the only ones who know all the things about all the properties and all the secrets, you know. Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver don't even know everything. They don't know how the movie ends. Um, And so this guy is in the trust tree and has been working inside the studio from the beginning. So that's the thing I know about from the Star Wars Lucasfilm side. And my point is, having seen tons of RPGs of of various kinds over the years, and Ethan, let us be clear, this is an action RPG that is going to be very much in the horizon Assassin's Creed God of War mold, in my opinion, from what they've said and what we've seen, which is exactly what I want. Yeah. I want a Horizon action RPG that's better than Tomb Raider, that's more like Horizon, but in the Star Wars world, but with they've never done skill push trees. Them Let's see how this goes, right? Well, right, but, but, but that's like saying just, Crash Bandicoot 3 and then Naughty Dog's next game was Uncharted 1. No, no, I no, mean, no, no, no. What, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that these are the this is respawn who has done extremely well over the years making great first person whether combat games right well i'm interested to see what they do with a third person. you know what though having played through about a third of the titanfall campaign it i, I know it's first person but it felt like like you know in some first person shooters it, it's obvious they're just rendering stuff that's in your field of vision basically Titanfall felt like you were inside a third person thing with with that mech suit. Like I think they get the physics of what's going on. These guys are brilliant. I mean again, Horizon, they went from Kill Zone, which were like okay, pretty sci-fi shooters, to Horizon. So if they can go from Kill Zone to Horizon, I don't know why they can't go from Titanfall and Apex to Jedi Fallen Order. That's all I'm saying, man. I'm just saying, I share your skepticism, but maybe, just maybe, this is the one to at least be... De- I mean, even The Force Unleashed is fun. If you if it was a non-Star Wars game, you'd be like, eh, this is a so-so game. Force Unleashed was great, you know? So, this is better than Force Unleashed. I don't know. I don't know. Imagine... <laughs> okay. So, it's, it's, this is the best analogy I can think of. Oh, uh, no. When I when I look at these games, right? Yeah. Imagine you're baking some bread, right? <laughs> you when you make the bread, right? Yeah. If you were forced to use nice joke whole wheat mm-hmm. rather than white bread, and your job is you you're try you're specifically trying to get your wheat bread. To be as much as white bread as possible without using. White I'm trusting bread. you here that this is going somewhere. <laughs> it makes the process very difficult, doesn't uh-huh. it? Because all you have to use uh-huh. is wheat flour, right? Uh-huh. So, so when when I'm talking about engines for Destiny or Jedi Fallen Order or whatever else, right? When what these people have to do is they have to make wheat flour into white bread flour. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's what they have to do. It's in fucking sane. 
right? It's in fucking sync what they have to do to get this shit done. With all this crunch and with all this overtime work and with all this stress leave and with all the force mandatory overtime, it's just insane. According to Respawn, they're not doing crunch. That's what they said. They said no crunch at Respawn. I don't know to believe them, but that's what they're saying. This game isn't going to be that long. I agree, but there's I no think way, yeah, there's I no agree. way this game makes third. There's no way this game makes sixty hours. I can guarantee that. Unless unless there's enough open world in there, but I don't think there's any open world in there. Well, first of all, sixty hours. I would be thrilled. I'd be thrilled with thirty to forty again. The original Mass Effect and Dragon Age games were specifically great because they were not open world, even though they had huge locations. They still were 30 to 40 hours. I would be fine with that. But I would also be fine with them doing paid DLC, man. If, if the game is good and the world building is amazing. Every three, four months, release like another couple missions. Like I would totally pay for that. That's the thing, man. The <clears> thing <throat> is, if you offer me enough... DLC, the, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. If, whether you're Sony or Microsoft or, or Nintendo, if you offered me enough product within a monthly live service subscription, I would pay $30 a month. I would pay $40 a month, but only if I had access to everything or many, many things. I'm wondering if they're being a little conservative. They just go for it. Be like $25.99 a month, but you're going to have access to all these games and they're not like a thousand years old with a 2.0 rating or what. Like they're great games or whatever. I think people would pay that, don't you? I'm, I'm not sure where the... the, the uh, yeah, I don't know how. The I don't buck. know why Sony doesn't need to do that. They just need to yeah. do it for ten bucks, like Microsoft does. Yeah, yeah. No, that's without a doubt for sure. Yeah, offer more demos and stuff like we were talking about. Um, but um, okay, a couple quick ones here. Um, da, 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 um, what I want to ask you about? Well, we can't talk about fighting games because fucking Austin. Uh, we'll figure that out. Um, Smash is cool. Right, Smash, cool. MK11, cool. Um, Destiny 2 events. Um, oh, I know, I know I wanted to end on it. But the only major point I have um, is uh, sort of if you're Phil Spencer right now, like what's going on in your, in your brain? Or, or is it just it's sail straight, straight ahead? E3. Right, right, right. So you're going to have the one E3 because Nintendo's not there and Sony's not there. So Microsoft basically has E3 to themselves. So what would you be, what would you be, if you were doing like a Steve Jobsian type presentation, like what would you be like getting ready for the Xbox? Again, with the understanding this is totally hypothetical and I'm announcing the X Xbox and it's How about the triple Xbox? And then immediately following that, I am I am telling you that you can play all of these titles this coming year on Xbox One, mm-hmm. and that you will also be able to play them on the next Xbox immediately following that. And all of your games digitally transfer. That's what I'm telling you. Because that's exactly what Sony's doing. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say, that's a pretty lame presentation if that's match, all you got. All you need to do for Xbox to stay in the game and in fact, to bump its sales, this is all you need to do. You just need to literally match Sony. That's it. That's it. That's it. 
literally just put out the exact amount, if not one more or one less of exclusives that Sony does. Mm-hmm. That's all you got to do. And yeah. they all just got to be, they, they just got to be good. That's it. They don't need to be exceptional. They don't need to be the next, they don't need to be the next Fortnite. They just need to be good. They need to be a reason for me to own an Xbox. But at this point, all the exclusives are on PC as well. So, so there you I, go. I came across another article since we discussed this in the last podcast. I keep hearing that Rockstar is considering GTA 6 as a PS exclusive, at least temporarily, which is mind-blowing uh, that that could happen. Not surprising in the slightest. Well, especially because if you combine the new 17.5 million switches with the 20 to 25 million uh, um, Xboxes, uh, I hate to do rough math here, that would still give Sony like 60 to 65% of the market. Uh, so that would actually not be a bad call, especially because a third of all Sony... Even there are more PlayStation Plus subscribers than all owners of the Xbox One. There are twice as many PlayStation Plus subscribers as all the Switches that are owned in all the world at this point. If I'm Rockstar, especially with how many copies they've sold, I bet you 80% of Red Dead was sold on uh, on console, was sold on the PlayStation 5, 80%. I, I would guarantee it. So it, it makes sense for them to do it, right? But I mean, it didn't hurt from software. I mean, it probably doesn't hurt that Sony has a whole load of cash that Microsoft doesn't. They just pay Rockstar for the exclusivity to the game, too. Sure, why not? They've already got Gran Turismo. They've got it would, fucking. It would, it would also be a knockout punch immediately swinging out of the console yep. race. Rush out the doors. Well, yeah, Assassin's it, Creed it Vikings sense. would be another one. Um, I don't think Ubisoft I'm not would gr- sure do it. Ubisoft would do an exclusivity. No, I was just that's what I was just saying as I was finishing my thought was I don't yeah, see Ubisoft sorry, as yeah. that kind of company. Yeah. But although the way most publishers are going, they'll absolutely will. But the PlayStation doesn't even need it because let, let's say Microsoft's system is objectively th- <clears throat> 25 to 30% more power. Right. That does not make up the disparity of 100 million units to 25 million units, all the games and all the awards the PlayStation has. I'm sorry. A 30% more powerful console like the Xbox One compared to the PlayStation PlayStation Pro. Sorry, the Xbox One X. It closed no gaps. It changed no trends. PlayStation, if anything, has gotten more powerful since the introduction of the Xbox One X. So more power... This was my question. My hypothetical was, if you were Phil Spencer... What do you mean more powerful? Hold on. What do you mean more powerful? You know, the PS4 compared to the Xbox One, Xbox One is slightly more powerful overall. Xbox One X, more powerful than PS4. For Pro, you know they're already saying the X, new Xbox is gonna be more powerful than the PS5. But the name of the game is the game, and Sony's naming the games pretty much all the time. If it's not Nintendo, and so it doesn't really matter if the Xbox, you know X3 or X2, whatever they're gonna call it, is 25 percent or 30 percent more powerful in terms of CPU and GPU. Because if they're not putting out these great exclusive titles, it's it, you know, and so. That 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 was my whole point. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, here, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Microsoft doesn't need to win. They just need to match. They need to break even. That's all they got to do coming out the gate. And as long as they keep it up out the gate, they don't need to even win this generation. They should be set up for the next one. And it looks like they're doing that just with, I mean, 10 bucks a month and you get all of my exclusives, whether you're on PC or Xbox, that that's a deal. That's a deal. If we could assume, and I just want to make an assumption, and it's a crazy assumption, that there are at least 15 good exclusive games from this Xbox gener- this upcoming Xbox generation coming out. All right? Can, is that a fair number to shake at? Maybe? No, I, I don't know. You're the expert with Microsoft. Okay. I honestly have no idea. Okay, let's let's even let's even be let's even be underestimating. Let's go with ten. Seven. Let's go with seven. For ten bucks each. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. Plus all of the other Xbox titles that they continue to add to it. What they recently added Monster Hunter World to Xbox Game Pass, I think. So like there are new and relevant titles that they keep adding. Uh, let me see. I just want to Google this real fast. Um, mm-hmm. like, like, like Monster Hunter World. We both knew that's a great game. It's still a great game. It's still forty dollars on Steam. That's how good of a game it is. Like, it's all. It's almost. It's a year. It's over a year old. Like, there's a reason good games don't go down in price sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if they're consistently updated games. They just don't go down in price. Monster Hunter World is a great example of that. Yep. Here's the thing about exclusives, man. You know, I still use winning. They're not winning because of a ton of exclusives. They're winning because of the last five years or four years. They've had one or two transcendently great exclusives every single year. Bloodborne, two Uncharted games. I'm going to count The Last of Us Remastered in there, actually, based on sales. Spider-Man, Horizon, God of War. I'm assuming Last of Us 2, and we'll get... 15. You know, Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, it, wasn't, uh-huh. it wasn't exclusive, but it was for a while, mm-hmm. and it was... Yep. Yeah. Death Stranding. Yep. Ghost of Tsushima, I mean, they have two or three really solid every year, and that's what Microsoft needs. It's not just the amount of games or even the relative quality, but you have at least one or two transcendent Game of the Year type games. Sony has had a Game of the Year contender at least one or two every single year the last four years, right? Make me want to own an Xbox. That's what they need to shoot for. Right. Make me want to buy the Game Pass. How That's do you sell that to someone who's a PlayStation person? That first big step was putting it on PC. Mm-hmm. That was the big step. That was the first big step. Because now there is less of a boundary cross between me and you. Because now it's on another platform. And when it's on the Switch, that's another jump. That, like, if that's true, I don't, I don't know if that's been... I don't remember if that was a leak or confirmed or... I don't know. But, um, like, just just putting it 
putting it places, put put dangling in front of me. Make me want for ten dollars to get all of your good games. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to do. So, do you remember the old like prototype of virtual realities where you sort of had a glove on each hand and they put like a little thing in your pointer finger to move yeah. move around? If you ever tried something like that model? No. That's what has to happen with controllers. And that's why I love the Joy-Cons. I don't love the actual Joy-Cons, their size, their feel, anything. But this uh, notion of uh, splitting the controller half into each hand is actually way more natural. And if you connect it into more of a you know, a peripheral that kind of attached to your body. I mean, this would make more sense with VR, I guess. But even for regular... Con- like, imagine trying to control your Titan in Titanfall and actually, like, having a, like, glove thing on each... Like, uh, you know, Iron Man-style glove thing on each hand controlling it. Like, that's such a more natural way uh, of I doing think it. The, I, think, I think the split controller idea is something to consider. I think, though, that the next like iteration of controllers will not be anything too dissimilar from what we currently experience. The no, next I, jump, I'm not saying the, it well. The, the, the I, next, I'm proposing to you something jump, else. The next yeah. jump jump is just brain mapping. I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's either virtual reality kit. They're not going to brain mapping in 2025. Mapping. I hate to break no, it to no, 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 It'll no, happen no, before no, you no, die. No, I'm not sure it's going to happen before I die. You know, again, I was sort of giving you a subtle compliment in that, like, you are on this show because you can relate to the common gamer, but you also can relate to the competitive gamer. I can only relate to the common gamer. That's why you're on the show. That that's that's what I was getting to. You're here to tell me the people who do map hotkeys and use macros constantly. That's my that. e penis is bigger than yours. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay, so some random questions about this: Is Overwatch still a thing? Did the Overwatch League just die, or what's going on? No, it's still a thing. No, it's still mm-hmm. a thing. I know people who again, like again, esports again. who aren't even big video gamers. Which, so you think there would almost be more of them at this point? Arena shooters are just not. Yeah, which is not popular right now. Overwatch yeah. is the arena shooter currently. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just just tying that into Fortnite Battle Royale, Apex. Mm-hmm. It's just it just ape, it, arena shooters just aren't fun right yep. now. They just aren't the thing. Battle Royales are the thing. They are considered the place to test your testosterone. Rainbow Six, I don't count. Rainbow Six is like is unique. It's more like a MOBA than it is. Uh, it's a MOBA shooter more than an arena shooter. It's weird. It's unique. It's its, its own thing. Um, it's more like Counter-Strike. Counter-Strike is Counter-Strike. So it'll always be popular. I just... Um, I wish they would bring Quake back because the reason Quake was such a great arena game and the first, but it was still so great, is that... The whole game is scary. I mean, the levels are scary, the characters are scary, the aesthetic is scary, and so it added this like a nice horror element on top of everything else, even in the competitive matches. Not this like really dull coloring like PUBG or overly colorful Fortnite, you know. It was just like a horror sci-fi setting. I, I miss yeah, that. Yeah, but I can't prove my dominance against ninety-nine other opponents, so why do I care? <laughs> 
and so I can't dress the, up my character. I, I can't uh, dress up my character like John Wick. So why do I care? Right, with all the headshots. Um, I meant to ask you a, a few podcasts ago because you said you read the short follow up to um, uh, Masters of Doom, which I actually even not have read. Yes, I uh, listened to it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything interesting since the original book was published? What ten? 12, uh, they 14? just go in. They 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 go into how Cormac was working on VR. Oh right. Briefly, he I think um, he still works for Oculus. I could be wrong. He does. He does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's still in the he's still in the Oculus project. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not doing too great. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, I mean, it's it's taking it's it's uh, VR is also on its generational uh, leap, just like consoles. But here's what Probably. Oculus has going for it: is it, it's already kind of a trusted brand name, even though they're underselling and it's too expensive. But HTC is really the way to go currently. Maybe currently, but I well, okay. Uh, I mean, if you know more than me. And they're, they're, as I understand, he's a cell phone company as far as I'm concerned. They're both releasing products that will match mm-hmm. the other technology. I just know that Oculus is specifically a VR company. HTC is an Asian uh, tech uh, mega corporation. So, Yeah, the Vive is, as I understand it, the better unit. I'm I'm not super into the. No, I've heard similar things. Yeah, I've heard similar things. I I could be totally wrong. I've heard some. Uh, And and you know what? I've also heard that PlayStation VR isn't horrible. But you know what? I can't watch 3D. Very good. I can't watch 3D on big screen, and so I'm not going to do VR anytime soon. It'll make me throw up. What's incredible about PlayStation VR is they take a decent VR experience and they bring it to a consumer level. Mm. It is four hundred dollars, right? And it is running on PS4 hardware. Sure, but like, like it, it has the games to back it up at least, right? Unlike PC, where yeah, you have some games and then you're kind of just, eh, this this is all there is. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. V- VR is still very niche. It's still very niche. Yeah, I mean, again. VR only highlights the split between people who love video games because of the technical aesthetic experience and someone like me who loves video games for story, character, world building, and everything else related to that. If you you tell me a gripping story like in The Witcher and, and games like that, I'm so in it, I'm not thinking about, oh, it's this is two-dimensional and there's a gap between me and the game because I'm holding a controller. Like, if only I could be in The Witcher. No, it's it's gripping because it's great writing. And so, as usual, with things like 3D movies, which have become less popular, by the way, man, way more people are seeing 2D movies now than they were a couple years ago, percentage-wise. People well, are realizing like 3D, 3D movies, movies are bullshit. 3D movies are awful. Awesome. Sorry, if you like seeing 3D movies for all these years, yeah. you need to check yourself. It's awful. It's absolutely it awful. A- 3D TVs, 3D- they don't even sell them. Nobody's buying them. 3D was the worst niche right. ever to occur. Right. So we all need to forget about it and move right. on. So since, Actually, since, we all need to remember it clearly and that <laughs> we never make that mistake. But again. doesn't the desire for 8K 60 frames per second or 8K 120 frames per second that very desire shows how unimportant 3D is, including VR? It seems to me. 
don't forget don't forget the uh my OLED uh Crystal pistol, uh, crystal pixels. Your crystal Burn. pistol. Pixels. I'm here with Elf Adorable and his crystal pistol. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That sounds like an awful hentai. Um, I'm just saying, it sounds just terrible. Terrible. It sounds like a terrible song. <laughs> Speaking of terrible hentai. songs, in pop also culture. every hentai is bad. Yeah. So, like, all right. So we're gonna end it, How is it bad if all of them are bad? <laughs> Final thought to tie back to the original discussion. I really do hope that the cheaper uh, mini switch is the thing because I want one. I can't spend three hundred if it's smaller, more comfortable. Hundred, two hundred dollars this summer. I, I am on that. I'm like 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 fungus on three week old bread. I am on that shit. What do you think Enjoy the chances are? You have to give one one to a hundred percent probability of a uh, new switch unit. I like I like your price. I like the bezels. I don't like the Joy Cons changing. I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to change. I'm sorry. The weight, absolutely. No, I didn't the say weight, they were the going to change. Light. No, that was what I was trying to explain before. What I was saying is they're not changing, but the but the whole rest of the unit is getting smaller, and so they would stick out at the bottom a little bit as if they had like little wings. Even if it's the same Joy-Con, because it's not as thick. And, uh, I, and, and I'm saying that's cool. No, I, I love that idea. So you think they're going to yeah, make the Joy-Con smaller? Yeah. So then what's the Mini? What's Mini? What's Mini about this whole thing? I'm confused. Yeah, now that you say that, yeah. Okay, well, you can think about it. Yeah, I'll, 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 I like I the Joy Cons. I don't want them to get smaller. I'm just saying, keep everything the I'll same, but get rid of the bezel, push it together a little bit, better center of gravity, but keep the Joy Cons the same size. But yeah, I don't know exactly how they would be positioned. Sorry, I keep hitting my mic. I don't know exactly so how they would be positioned. Thing, so here's the thing about making the Joy Cons. So here's the thing about keeping the same Joy Cons in that situation. Go on. The Joy Cons would then be rigid. Mm-hmm. And it would be uncomfortable to wield more so than before because now you have edges sticking out of your device that will stab you on top of the fact that the rails are exposed. And that's not that's not good for a couple reasons. One, the form factor is off so the Joy-Cons couldn't charge properly. So in this situation, you now can't even use the controllers that you're being given for the device. So mm. two things. So now, now the situations change. Now, you either have to make the Joy-Con smaller, which they won't do, because, no. again, that destroys the entire functionality of having yeah, that was two a, yeah. controllers that you can share between two people per device, or yeah. B, you remove the dock and you cut the price out by $75. That is what they'll do. That's what they'll do. Nope, then I'm not in. Oh, man, on the outside looking in. Wait for a use one. I think it'll happen. I think if they just made it a little more ergonomic, they would have sold a few, at least a few more million units. You can buy third person. You can buy third party Joy Cons for that type. Of stuff. Yeah, but you shouldn't have to with Nintendo. I mean, they're supposed to be the ultimate peripheral company, right? I mean, but like, but, but okay, 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 okay. But see, here, here's the problem with that statement, right? And this isn't me defending Nintendo. This is this is coming for everybody, right? Arguably. 
Microsoft had the best controller they've ever made in the Xbox 360 controller. Because they changed it to the Xbox I One controller. I still believe it is, by the way, I just for the have, record. I, I, should have, I should have Xbox 360 controllers to work on my Xbox One, but that doesn't work. That doesn't. I have to buy a third-party one for that to happen. Right. right? See, that's why that argument doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If and, and that's gonna, what they choose yeah. to do, yeah. that's what they choose to do to sell their product. Do I agree and, with and it? Look, of yeah. course I don't. And look, but that's their choice. Look, in... I was playing Xenoblade and Zelda, and if those games had been less wonky, required way less brain power and concentration, and were just just generally more fun and laid back, the experience itself was great, and that's what I want with it. So maybe I Zelda was very relaxing. Well, I guess oh, once no, you know what you're doing, it was doing. very relaxing. Master Ball was a whole different conversation. I mean, any game where you're running. Very slowly, like Link does, because he's like seven years old, running slowly over miles of terrain, and then you get ambushed by some bad guys and killed instantly. That's not relaxing. That's just not relaxing to me. To me, listening to ambiance music, riding on a horse, or gliding off of a mountain is pretty relaxing. Sure. But I just prefer to do that in the Horizon world than Zelda, which is fine. That's why we have multiple game choices. So it's it's great. Yeah. Sure. Um, but the point being, you know, it, if, if I had been playing a new Fire Emblem, I Am Setsuna, and games like that, maybe, you know, I, I wouldn't have been thinking about the the controller at all. But I, I think, look, the, the Switch is the exact definition of having my cake and eating it too, right? That's the exact definition of it. And everybody knows it, including Nintendo. They have to make one of the two experiences really, really good. And since they're already complete, competing against PlayStation, which is nailing the console experience, I think Nintendo should double down on the portability of it. But that includes making minis, but also considering the ergonomic nature of it. We've talked about this a million times. We're not getting anywhere new. But the thing I can never understand through all our Switch debates are your argument is always Nintendo is not doing X, Y, Z, but you never say I would want them to. I still don't know what your opinion is. I know what your opinion about what Nintendo is going to do or not do is, but I don't know what your opinion is. And I guess we're not getting it. Uh, I Clearly, clearly, the Nintendo is going to take the Samsung route and make folding switches as the Switch Mini, and that will uh, then lead to people taking off the screen protector and breaking it. That's what people are doing with the Switch Mini, of course. Mm. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I uh, know, because I said the dual screen idea, and you hated it. I'm super down for folding phones. They just need to not make them break. And not make them cost $2,000. And make and, and give it, and every time I open it, it has to make the awesome Joy-Con clicking sound mm-hmm. on the Switch. And I'm super down, right? Yeah. Like, that is so ASMR. It's awesome. <laughs> it was, dude. It was. It was. And you know what? I get, and I gave the Switch back to you, and then I took some time off, and then I played two weeks of Destiny straight. And the only reason I'm still on break is because I was away for a while, and so I cut the cord. And I know as soon as I start playing again, I'm going to be addicted. Um, 
meanwhile, this will be my final thought. Playing tons of Civ Six. I've got all the expansions now, though I haven't done all the Gathering Storm like stuff. But I have everything. I will say, Ethan. The problem with Civilization is exactly the problem that has been the problem with Civilization since the first one, which is A, diplomacy is terrible, boring, worthless, pointless, and does nothing, and B, the wind conditions are very few and way too specific. Like, who wants to not have a domination victory after a few plays through? You're going to go for the space race every time? Like, it's fucking ridiculous. They can't come up with more win conditions in that stupid game after all these goddamn years. don't know what you're talking about. Okay. I'm talking about culture, science, domination, I I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. Right, the diplomatic conditions have changed, culture conditions have changed, science conditions have changed. Right, after you've played one hundred and twenty dollars for the game, is my point. The only one that's changed among all of those that I just mentioned, after paying one hundred and twenty dollars, is diplomatic. Which all is the other one ones new are win condition. the exact same way whether you paid one hundred twenty dollars or not for the game. I mean, culture is interesting because the culture is interesting because it's kind of nebulous the way to get there. Religion and science are just two sides, two different, uh, two different sides of the same coin, essentially. Not, not really. It, so, so if you're talking about the manner in which all of this, all of did the, they change the science conditions? Because as far as I can tell. Moon launch and then Mars probes is the way to win the science race. You have to get to that point in the game, so you have to get the end game. In yeah, first I did place. it. I've already won it. I've won, I've won a culture launch, victory, a science victory, and two domination victories. You launch space, then yeah. you launch Mars probe. Then yeah, you I did Mars all that. Comet. I did it. I, I won. I did. Then it. in Gathering Storm, there's this whole process where you have to launch the Alpha Centauri rocket. And then you can do additional projects over time to speed up the pro- the speed up the, uh, the speed uh, up the, the, They the should just do Alpha Centauri Redux. It was so good. Sid Meier's religion Alpha Centauri is, totally is different. amazing. The religion is totally different than the science victory because you have to literally convert most of the cities on your planet. But it's only fun once. Religion. Domination is the only one that's fun more than once. Once I've done all the other victories once, I'm like, okay, I, I got through all the turns, 390 turns or whatever the fuck it is. Wait, are we talking about Civ? I had no idea. <laughs> life. Like, We're talking like, about life. Like, 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 like I, I appreciate what you're saying, right? Like, it's only fun to win this specific route once. I put right? 80 hours in. I like, love the, the game. Thing. But here's the thing. It is such a tight, refined system. We're talking about Civ here. We're not talking about... Uh, what was the game that like drastically changed the system from 1 to 2? Uh, fucking... Warcraft? I don't, I don't know. know. Warcraft. Like, like, we're, we're not talking about a game that consistently changes its concepts and tactics game per game. We're talking about Civ... Civ is the tactical equivalent of Call of Duty, okay? Call of Duty releases its game in a year. It has not changed one fucking bit. It's the same refined gameplay with a new coat of paint on it. Civ is the same way to a certain extent. 
Not yeah, so, I would not. I would take away a certain extent. It's exactly the same game as Civ One that just looks prettier. It, like there's prettier. no major advancements in game design since Civ One, in my opinion. Even though I love the new version, from start to finish, for, from start to yeah. end, yeah. you have the same Tech tree, code Civic tree, building units, taking over things, building your the cities. Way, the way you advance through time has changed from game to game, without a doubt. Right, but but and Civ Six is definitely very different than Civ One. No doubt about that. But without a doubt, the gameplay philosophy has not changed from Civ One to Civ Six. Thus, you have a very similar concept of events of game design that flows through each of these games. Yeah. So they are very similar. Yeah. What has changed from Pokemon? Red and blue to Pokemon now. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. A couple updates to how the overall systems work, but the core idea of you have monsters playing advanced rock, paper, scissors has not changed. Right? Like the, the RNG is actually very low in Civ, which I like. <clears throat> the battles are mostly predictable. And, and, and that that's what that's what Civ has tried to do yep. ever since Mm-hmm. It, 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 it realized the inherent flaws with an RNG system. And now it only implements RNG. But it was never, Civ was never ultimately Star- RNG. StarCraft's not RNG either. I mean, there's a little randomness in the combat, but it's mostly predictable. Didn't Civ, every Civ up till 5 have. Well, they've never been good at AI programming, so that's. Rules? They've never been no, good no, no, at no, 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 AI no. programming, so that spreads to everything. I've I, now I haven't played Civ One and Two, so maybe you can inform me on this. Because in Civ Three, you would attack. You you had the attack of your unit versus the attack versus the defense of the other unit, and then both would roll dice based on the number, and that would outcome who won. Right, but now they just roll a lot more dice, and so everything gets closer to the mean of what it should be. <clears throat> I mean, the difference is no, no. In, in Civ Six, you have the specific values, and it's difficult. No, no, each I know. Has but, a specific right, right. value, but. What I'm saying is, sometimes you attack someone, and it shows you the estimate of what their health is. And sometimes it says their health is zero or slightly above zero. And sometimes you attack someone, and it doesn't get to zero, and they don't die. But sometimes they have a little bit of health left, according to the estimate. Just It's just like Fire Emblem, man. It's exactly like Fire Emblem. You know? It's <clears throat> but, like, you never... If you're attacking a, a horse against a bunch of archers who are made to fight horses, and it's telling you you're going to have a major uh, uh, defeat in that battle, it never changes to even a minor victory or a major victory. Almost never. Almost never. That's that would be RNG. The, that would be wonder... RNG. Hold on. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to dislike what you said. So what? So, the combat system in six. Actually, the way I like and why I'm good at this game is because there's not a lot of RNG. So I know the types of forces and how much power I'm throwing when I'm. I mean, I I start wars very early on um, in Civ because if nothing else, you put pressure on them and then they force a piece and offer you money and you take it. Right, 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 right. What I would, what I, I'm just trying to say, what you say, as opposed so, to XCOM. XCOM is so horrible because no, I it's all I, I RNG. That. Yeah, 
I understand that. Yeah. Then that's one of the advancements of Civ over time. Um, in Civ Six, like it is, it is static damage just based on whatever bonuses, whatever the attack versus or whatever the value of right, whatever the attack value of my unit versus the attack value of your unit is. Just, mm-hmm. That's what it is. Um, it, it's static, which Civ has never been better ever since static attack it. Atta- uh, values on units yep. been implemented. It's never been better. Yeah. That's why Civ Five was so widely loved after, um, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, it wasn't Kings, whatever. It was uh, Brave New World. There we go. Um, but so. but ultimately, even with all of the economics. I mean, can you tell me what all of the like special agricultural and mining resources actually do, other than iron, niter, and a couple other ones like silk and stuff? Like, can you tell me meta-wise what having three silk does for your game? I bet you you can't. <clears throat> I can. Without looking in Civilpedia, I don't have to look at Civilpedia. It gives amenities to your cities. So that when your population grows over, your po- your your city still produces as quickly, based on how many amenities it has. In addition, with the loyalty system, which you are now experiencing due to rise and fall, uh, amenities are crucial for keeping loyalty to a city, especially as it gets closer right. away from your capital or yeah. closer to other. Capital. Right, but this is leading to my that's, point. That's right. that's what silks do. But right, but what my so my point of bargaining for trade. Right, and, but what my point here is, as long as you keep your amenities and housing reasonable, even if you have to, you end up in the negative briefly, if you keep your amenities and housing reasonable, you're always going to keep producing more and more food and production over time. You're not really much... It's not very mathy. Like, for all the percentages and numbers, it's very unmathy game, which, again, I like. I just think... I don't think Civ is a complicated strategy game whatsoever, no. but that being said, after you you play Stellaris no, in Europa Universalis, you have a different perspective about strategy games. <laughs> no, Civ isn't complicated. It's not. However, it's really it not. Does, how, yeah. However, however, what it does do is it throws a lot of hated information at you, and unless you're looking for it, you won't find it. That's true. And look, if I was playing at the top, very, very top level at eight or nine or whatever, or, or the one under that, I would have to be monitoring each city and their inflow and outflow of goods and blah, 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 blah. But the fact that I can play above average difficulty on this game, and yes, I've been playing this for 25, 30 years, so that helps. But nevertheless, um, it, it doesn't feel ultimately that challenging um, if you know what you're doing. Uh, you know, and it's nice to get new civilizations and expansion of the tech tree. I always thought the tech tree was the biggest weakness of Civ. They just don't give you enough options, or at least they don't offer enough ways to just ignore entire parts of the tech tree. Like, you should be rewarded if you ignore uh, airplane stuff, for example, and just go in a totally different direction. You know what I mean? Uh, in the right situation. I don't. I mean, these are minor complaints. The current reward scheme is you have less... It takes less time to yeah. uh, get those civ specific. Oh, but by the way, guys, out there, do not start in the ancient era. Start in the classical era. And things move so much Lame. quicker. You start with units. You get builders. 
I mean, no, dude, I've already played two full games on normal maps with, like, nine civilizations and normal time scheme. It's great. It takes, like, 30 hours. If you, if you want to play on a Wait. tiny map against four other civilizations, put it on a very difficult level, but have abundant resources, lots of rainfall, mountains... Like, uh, just go at it, honestly. Because uh, otherwise, how can I experience all the great civilizations? What's that? Uh, 20 civilizations times 30 hours apiece? 600 hours? I don't have that much time. I don't. I just don't. Well, since I thought you would like that. I thought oh, Mr. Oh, Mr. Oh. League of Legends crowd a bunch of units and fight each other in a place. I would have thought you would have liked a competitive, fast-moving, tiny map. Uh, no, I like my Civ game to be long, drawn out, and slightly relaxing to mildly tense. That's how I feel about Stellaris. It's just a different thing. I I I just, I still can't get into the new Stellaris, but I feel like an asshole going to the old version, even though they let me do it, but no one has... But here's the thing, if I can't start the game in the ancient era and have the Aztecs... (laughs) always sneak attack me because I don't have enough units and I can't grow <laughs> at the same time, but they'll grow instead yeah. because that makes sense. Right. Then it's not a stiff game to me. Well, what I would like to do is the opposite where set up a game where... Difficulty. Right. But, but what I'm saying is I would love to set up a scenario that's only ancient and classical but takes more time and is more tactical and you build a ton of units and just fight. I... There's a way to do that. You do epic. You start in the ancient era and you select epic lanes, and it's like 300% the amount of, you know, it's like, you know, like even building a uh, uh, a a granary, it takes like 90 turns or something, you know? (laughs) But that's one of the, that's one of my favorite about the special units. Again, with me winning with Saladin. By destroying everyone, dropping a nuke, and then winning the space race with the Mamluks, who I could just build so quickly, and they work all throughout time. It's, it's very creative what they do with every. I just wish the civilizations had even more distinctive powers that paid off more over kind of a regular period and not just following the tech tree. Um, essentially, when some techs and buildings are so clearly, clearly more valuable than others. I, again, it depends on your civ and what your win conditions are, I suppose. And on the difficulty of the game. I, hey, look, I've moved up every single game. I moved up difficulty. I started at three, four, five. I think I'm playing on six now. You know, so. Try, dude, play Europa Universalis 4 or uh, Rome Imperium or whatever that new game is and tell me what you think about no, strategy games. Civ only. <laughs> yeah. Europa's insane. I mean, it, the th- what's funny about Europa Universalis is that it's it's self-aware that it's insane, but a- even after like a kind of funny tutorial, they just drop you in the middle of these civilizations and you have no idea what to do. It's you know, because the wind conditions don't ex- really exist outside the player's mind. I mean, they give you certain things to strive for with each you know time and each civilization, but it's definitely not the Sean Bean reading about the space race quote over and over again. Um, yeah, it's different. I think Stellaris is the best. I'm very interested to see if Stellaris works on console, to be honest. I, I would never want to, but it is interesting to think about. 
So, you playing anything else? And we'll sign this baby out. What else you got? Uh, Destiny 2? Uh, Destiny Switch? Pokemon. I'm going to play a little bit more Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, I finished my replay of Borderlands 1 and Borderlands pre-sequel. I am in the middle of my Borderlands 2 replay. Just kind of doing that just for the funsies before Borderlands sure. 3. Yeah. Uh, Smash on Switch. They release a, they release a DLC character. Very excited. A lot of fun. Nintendo does DLC right too. So. Fun. Nintendo does a lot of things right. But <laughs> designing a comfortable handheld unit, unfortunately, not one of them. <laughs> I still... Th- I, I hate In any generation. Switch. I've had them all other than the Switch. I had your Switch I, for a while. I just, I just feel like you're in the minority there. I, I feel like people... Are yeah, okay with the cost? Seventeen and a half million people agree with you, so you know that's be be uh, warmed by the the fire of of those seventeen and a half million. You know, love the thing you love. That's my whole thing. And not everyone has to love the same thing that you love. The problem is, I want to love the thing that you love. It's just not where I. It's not at where I want it. But again, this is first generation, man. I mean, by second or third generation, when I have whatever version I get, it. None of us will even be thinking about this early stuff. They're ninety percent towards perfection. It's a good, you know. It took to the PlayStation Four for them to nail it with the Switch. They already almost completely nailed it with the first version of it. So, yeah. So, um, so final question. So, you you really don't think in the next two to three years the notion of a more expensive, uh, uh, beefier um, Switch Pro is is a possibility? Uh, maybe E3 if we're gonna announce it. E3 Switch Pro probably unlikely this year. Mm-hmm. Any game probably next uh. year or twenty twenty one at the latest. Um, any games coming out between now and the end of summer that you're looking forward to? Yeah, Fire Emblem. Cool. I am as well. I, I hope uh, it uh, goes back to Awakening. I'm really, I'm just super excited to see what Bungie's first... I'm excited to hear news about what Bungie's first product that is not Activision, that is not an Activision release will be. Oh, the Chinese investors. Yes, 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 yes. No, no, it's not, it's not even theirs. No, no, no. That, that is... When we hear about that, that is a product that is it's still Bungie's. It's just they have to provide an IP for them at some point. I don't know when that will be. What? Who? Wait, what? So, so the thing about the Chinese, right? For a hundred million dollars, a ten cent. The Chinese company Tencent got a seat on their board of directors. That's it. That's all they got. That's the that's the thing with Bungie in China. That's it. Okay. Well, they're clearly doing another project. Is the is the major point here? Ideally, 
They have to be. As a standalone mega, you can't be a standalone mega corporation, independent, semi-independent, independent, and not have a second or third project going. I mean, come on. It's, yeah. It's not going to distract from Destiny. They're just going to keep hiring people. That's what they They're should be They're not a mega corporation. They're also not a mega corporation. They are the They're largest like, um, independent cor- um, video game company out there. That's not that's uh, yes. not part of or themselves a AAA company in the traditional sense. So that makes them important. That makes yeah, them interesting. That's what they are. Right. That makes them important. It makes them interesting. But it also means that to keep up with the big guys, they have to get an Ubisoft model of two or three games that they're regularly cycling through it with different versions. In fact, Ideally. Ubisoft is exactly who I would go after. Um, and that's why, the, by the way, my, I'll end on this. Whether Jedi Fallen Order is just good or it's great, I love that, that, that Respawn is trying to do that and cover everything from the live services to the first person, you know, action RPG Which they're game. severely failing at. Re- Respawn not the, is? Not the, not, not the first person, the live service part, yeah. With, uh, what, with Apex? Yeah. Well, this is where I would definitely blame EA again, because EA is supposed to be able to provide this architecture. Look, if yeah, EA, if EA can't stop bad companies from being bad, and they just interfere with good companies, but they can't provide bandwidth, what are they doing? They're doing nothing. It's just trip. It's that same that, asshole from the 80s that Tom Kalinske had to put in his place because he was a scumbag piece of shit, no creativity, originality asshole. That's that's all EA is. What else are they doing? So, like I said earlier. What are they doing? Remember, remember, remember how I said when you split a studio, you have some people working here, some people working there. It may be Apex Legends that could, I'm not saying it will, hurt Jedi Fallen Order in the same way that that might be true, Jedi Fallen Order has clearly hurt Apex Legends already. Good. We know that for a fact. Good. Give them the because lightsaber straight to the face, baby. Fuck all this people online are leaving, shit. People are leaving Apex Legends in droves because the game has not been updated. That's because Disney is the richest entertainment company in the world by so much right now, and Respawn, regardless of Electronic Arts, wants to please them as badly as possible. That has nothing to do with Respawn. You're so wrong. You're wrong, but I, I you know... I'm not wrong. Look, you're way more connected to the video game community, but I'm more connected to the entertainment community, especially Star Wars, and I am telling you... They are taking this chance to put out a great Star Wars game very, very, very seriously. And Apex vi- could end tomorrow even without anything else. Yeah, it's, pre- it's, pretty, it's pretty easy to have a publisher say, hey, you should work on this game and also this game at the same time. Figure it out. Pretty easy. So, what, you think people are, like, putting together that they're giving up on Apex because of... Jedi Fallen Order? No. I didn't say they were giving up on Apex. I said EA gave them two assignments, is what I'm saying. Right. Where they should have only had one. Capacity is always the question. Capability. We don't know how many people they had. Maybe they can handle two projects. 
Clearly they can't because they're not updating Apex. That's my point. Well, they say they're not updating it because they don't want to be in crunch. Right. Which means they can't handle both of them. <laughs> That's no. precisely... When, when, it means when that they're, they're exactly handling Jedi Fallen Order for November 15th, 2019, which they're sticking to. And they're, they're not behind... No. This is that if you read the article, they're not behind on Apex Legends. They're just not moving as fast as people want based on Fortnite and PUBG and stuff. Except except here's where you're wrong. See, a live service and a multiplayer game are dependent solely not on how many copies it sells. So it depends solely upon how many people are playing it. I'm aware of how multiplayer games make their money. (laughs) So, if people are leaving the game because the game is not updated, it's not being updated. There's a million reasons. You and I said PUBG is the biggest game ever, and two months later, Fortnite was the biggest game ever. We were completely wrong on that whole thing. Let me finish. What I said was, so, so quickly to the PUBG point, PUBG was the biggest game in the world. At that point in time, Fortnite took its spot because of Fortnite's aggressive tactics. Right? Apex uh-huh. comes out. A lot of people play it. People are now leaving playing Apex, going to other games, because the game is not being updated for the issues that are in the game, let alone the promises that were made by Respawn to continue updating the game consistently. That's because this was the project to take the attention off of the Anthem disaster. It was never supposed to be the main project, man. Apex was supposed to be the side project to Anthem, but it became the main one because it was good and Anthem was terrible. But this was not supposed to be their 1A online service. I'm sorry. It's clearly not the case. I'm not defending the game, Jesse. I'm not asking you to defend the game. I'm saying I don't think Respawn was ever set up to handle being a 50 million user thing because Anthem was supposed to be the 50 million user thing, not Apex. That's what that's what I said. Right. So I fuck said, everyone. If people are leaving, fuck I them. Let them leave. Re- Go play Fortnite. Go I play Fortnite. Said re- I said Respawn was given two assignments. And then you disagreed with me, and now you're back to agreeing with me. No, no, no. I, I, I agree that they had two assignments, but what I am stressing, which I'm not saying you are not stressing, but what I want to stress is that I think they were given the assignment of like, hey, make a cool fringe game that sort of combines some of this stuff, and maybe you'll get 5 million users, maybe you'll get 10 million users, but there's no pressure because we're dropping Anthem, and that's going to, you know, the whole world's going to be playing Anthem, so don't worry too much about it. And then, so what I'm saying is, Apex Legends has become the equivalent of two or three projects for them, not one. They always had that one project called Apex Legends, but it's so much bigger than they expected, they don't have the manpower for it, is what I'm saying. I agree with that. Right. And so I'm going to tell everyone to go fuck off, play other games. There's plenty of them. Let them focus on Jedi Fallen Order. Who cares about Apex Legends? No one's going to remember these characters in 20 years. People will still know who Luke Skywalker is in 20 years. Come on, give me a break. And now you're pulling out a Star Wars fanboy. Yeah. So, yeah. 
you going to disagree fun. with me and your kids? You're going to tell them the, about the Apex Legends or, or Darth Vader, Han Solo, and Luke Skywalker? Come on. Come on. But you're right. Or, you're right. You're right. My lack of enthusiasm about Marvel and the Avengers in general is completely or, informed by my Star Wars obsession. I will not deny that. I'm not being sarcastic. Or I could be happy. Or Apex Legends is the most fun battle royale. And I want it to succeed. And therefore, I want EA to put more people on the game. But that's not going to happen. No, no, no. All of EA's problems have been because they've spent too much time on multiplayer. Get by, they destroyed BioWare by forcing them to become multiplayer. But BioWare was the greatest creator of single-player narrative fantasy and sci-fi campaigns ever with Dragon Age and Mass Effect, and they destroyed them by forcing them to become multiplayer live service. I'm sorry, it's just so Except obvious. They made a multiplayer live service. That was their choice. Except it wasn't because when the again when the heads of and the creators of Bioware left and EA started taking a more heavy hand in 2012 post Mass Effect three there was lots of orders that came down that headed in a certain direction by EA. <clears throat> that had nothing to do with Anthem though. <laughs> that ever, yes, Dragon well, Age. No, is Anthem's our fault, yes. Ethan. <clears throat> I mean, as primarily Anthem is the presses. Like Jason Schreier is the main culprit about why Anthem's terrible. But after Jason Schreier, you and I, as the public, we're actually to blame for it. It's certainly not Electronic Arts, but it's clear they're not responsible. <laughs> what a fucking oh, pathetic joke. Normal. It was so obvious from the beginning. Oh, God. Uh, <clears throat> so, Sea of Thieves, when are we going to be pirates? Let's do this. Wow. What your PCs work. <laughs> Word. All right, buddy. Well, um, that update is today at some point. Which one? To see if these anniversary update uh, adds a cool. whole bunch of cool shit. Cool. And basically overalls the game. What happened to uh, Monster Hunter? It just like died. It's still alive. No, it's way alive. Oh, is it? I just never hear about it. Gets it gets consistent. It gets consistent, frequent updates for free. That's awesome. why it's still $40. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. It's and, a very cool game. And for 10 bucks a month with the Xbox Game Pass, it can be yours for free. Thanks, Phil Spencer. And Sea of Thieves. And <laughs> Halo Infinite when comes so out. So, guys, a correction to a previous podcast. Not only is Ethan getting Miyamoto dollars, he's also getting Phil Spencer dollars, apparently. <laughs> When there's a quick buck to be saved, <laughs> I will throw it at all. Uh, but we know Miyamoto is your, is your buy, true if love. If you're thinking about buying a new graphics card soon, go ahead and pick up that GTX 1660. That's a good deal. <laughs> I'm getting in them in Nvidia dollars now. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So. Hold up, hold right. up, hold up, hold up. Were you all aware that Gillette is the best that a man can get? <laughs> there we go. I'm getting that Gillette. Uh, trip from EA. Trip from EA. Trip Hawkins. What a douchebag. I want that company to crash and burn so badly. I want Jedi Fallen Order to be great and then respawn to leave and then the whole company to crash and burn and just be done. And uh, look what that happened. They own them. 
I know. They own FIFA and Respawn, Madden, e- which e- is the important. Down, Respawn goes down. They own, they own EA and Madden. So I mean, uh, Madden and uh, FIFA. So that's all. Oh yeah, need. they're never leaving. They're they're never going away. Yeah, yeah. FIFA FIFA sells too many copies yearly just for the name. I think. Uh, like Cristiano Ronaldo and uh, Messi probably get paid at least a hundred million dollars for those games. I- I'm not sure, but that would be my guess. Something I mean, like that. The top soccer players are paid at a level you even with the Bryce Harper contract and A Rod and stuff. You can't even believe. I mean, they're billionaires. Those guys. FIFA's actually fun too, dude. I mean, it's literally the only sports game I'll play. FIFA is super fun. The good ones are okay. Yeah. Oh, final actual question. Sonic movie. Thoughts? <laughs> I don't like Sonic. I Sonic. hate Sonic. I He's creepy. Sonic. He's so creepy. I-, I liked Sonic from like 1991 to 1994, and then I literally never thought about him Sonic again. Sonic Media is on sale on Steam. <sighs> I don't care. I'm, I'm terrible at platformers. I'd rather get my ass kicked for nine hours in Bloodborne than play a platformer because... At least in Bloodborne, I can try out some different moves and like punch and like get a couple hits in. Platformers, if I can't make, as you saw early on with me, Destiny with jumping. With platformers, if I can't make a jump or like a combo of jumps, like I just lose my fucking mind. Yeah, but that's because, uh, oh, never mind, you're just bad at jumping. Except it's still my special skill in Destiny, because I love it. I love it when I can control it. I'm like Jessica Jones. It's controlled falling, you know? That's just, it's, it comes with the territory, so. All right, man. You're well, still, we still crushing that ability, too. <laughs> so, welcome to uh, Ethan Abuses Jesse for two hour, three hours, I should say. It went, it was, went according to plan with great abuse from Ethan the entire time. So, thank you, sir. I, I always appreciate the abuse. What's that? With a great abuse for me, you'll eventually get better at being <laughs> In about six years. You're, you're like my Nazi commander to whip me in the shape. Well, you're not a Nazi. That's a bad... That was a bad, that was a bad uh, comparison. You're Nine. just, like a, you're just like a military lieutenant, like, you know, yelling at the fat young recruit to get in place. Think of Full Metal Jacket people out there if you've seen that great Stanley Kubrick movie. with Patterson. Patterson, fire a warning <laughs> shot. Sir, this is an M32 grenade launcher. Ah, potato, potato, fire the damn thing, Patterson. Exactly, exactly. All right, BezelCast listeners, you can see uh, Ethan's stream at L underscore Fedorable on Twitch. Otherwise, don't bother because he doesn't answer phone calls, text messages, or social media, right? <laughs> huh? <laughs> There's only one thing he answers, but I won't tell you guys, so you can't find him on it. So, thanks, Heath. Thank you, BizzleCast listeners. You guys have been awesome. Be coming back at you soon with plenty of Star Wars coverage, as well as video games and everything else. Uh, May the Force be with you, but for now, the BizzleCast is out.